1: Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte.
0: From the halls of assembly, you'll hear a scream and shout. Our love of Indiana is manic and devout. Everything I do, we discuss in unique manner. We won't be satisfied until we hang another banner. Us two goofy guys go by names of Ward and Eric, and as you probably know by now, we're your hysterics. Hoosier hysterics. Hoosier hysterics.
1: Hello, Ward. Hello, Eric. Well, well, well. Another weekend of traveling to see Indiana in the books. Uh, We have a lot to get into when it comes to that, and and just a lot to unpack over the weekend. But before we do any of that, we are powered by
0: CommunityCars.com Sponsor of the pod, Oje Hysterics CommunityCars.com Illusion Legends talk with Warden Eric CommunityCars.com
1: i was really hoping you were gonna hit that one correctly this time i I was was, happy about that i
0: was really tempted not to (laughs) hey we saw evan martin and angela this weekend for about 10 seconds. It was so great to see him. Uh, And I say we, I meant just me. You weren't there. Nobody else. It was just me. I saw them in the lobby of the MGM. I assumed I was going to get to spend time with them, introduce Evan's wife to my wife. None of that happened. Uh, But regardless, it was wonderful to see them in passing.
1: Yeah, I was able to, we, we spent some time together, went to dinner with them went to the Adele show with them, which was, oh, which was fun.
0: I, um, I didn't realize they were, that was a double date.
1: Yeah. I mean, I want to take credit for going to the Adele thing. Like it was my idea to take Holly to the Adele concert. Yeah. But the truth is it was Evan's idea. And I was like, Oh, that'd be really good to make Holly happy because I'm dragging her to Las Vegas to see Indiana play. <laughs> but um, look, man, community cars. It's funny. I got to talk to some people at, in Vegas that were like, Hey, we went to community cars to buy our new car. Like, I, I I had several conversations with people who were like, where's the community cars guy? I'm like, he's here. He's around. Yeah,
0: and tell him that you bought your car because
1: of us on this show. <laughs> exactly. We need everyone that ever go, even thinks about buying the car from community cars to reach out and tell us or them. Um, but, look, it's the holiday time. If you want to buy your – I always loved those commercials that you would see, Ward, you know, like um, – where like the husband would be inside and acting like coyish and then the wife would come up to him and what's wrong, honey. And he would be like, I don't know. And, and then, but let's, let's, you know, let's go outside. we got to go to a dinner or whatever. And then they walk outside and there's a brand new car with a giant red ribbon on it. Yeah. You know, and snow is falling and it's beautiful. Yes. I mean, I don't know the people who buy cars for other people as gifts. I don't know those people. I don't travel in those circles. Nor do I. But if you're going to buy a car for somebody, you go to CommunityCars or CommunityCars.com to do it.
0: And you know why? It's because that big red bow is free. They toss that in for free. No matter where you are in the continental 48 states, they'll put on a big red bow for free. Actually, you know what? Let me check on that. Let me check on that. But I'm pretty sure they would do that.
1: I, just, I want to keep a list of the things that you have promised community cars will do. One of them is a big red bow for free. The other was a couple of weeks ago where you said every car is 50% off.
0: <laughs> Look, I think that Evan and his team have to have that line down by now. That they get into the conversation, the person puts forward what I said, Evan and his team cut them off and be like, but Ward's an idiot. Right, right, right. They may not even need to say it. Yeah, no, I assume everybody knows that and does not take me seriously, so if they ever do, please don't. Don't ever take me serious. Speaking of
1: you being an idiot, one person came up to me uh, while we were waiting to go into the, the, the whiskey down, which we will get into, but just to go out of order here for a second, they did say to me, where's Ward? And I said, he'll be here. I'm like, he won't be here at 10.30, but he'll be here. He'll be here shortly thereafter. And they said... Yeah, I figured if I spend 10 minutes or so around word, I'll see him do something stupid.
0: <laughs> like, okay. Well, yeah. Well, what about the two drunk guys on Saturday night who said, look, we we wanted to actually meet Eric in person because we were afraid he might be a, a douche in real life. <laughs> a douchebag. A douchebag, douche bag, yes. Yeah, yeah. we well, we you, had
1: questions. We you, had questions.
0: You, you flew, uh, you with flying colors. You flew past the douchebag test. You were changing you were... hearts and minds,
1: one or two at a time. <laughs> yeah, um, but to be to know that you're going into a new relationship where that's the bar is a is a daunting, uh, also telling. Uh, situation for how (laughs) you've presented yourself for a few years now, but we will get into all of that Communitycars.com. whether you want to order it online, whether you want to go in old school and buy it with a person sitting across from you, whether you want to call them, it's just, you won't beat the price. You absolutely won't beat the service. You will just be happy with the experience. We have heard that firsthand, not just from me who bought a car through them, several, several people have reached out to us to let us know that either they reached out and bought a car or, and they've done it in different ways. We've had people talk about buying it from people that live in Atlanta, somebody who lives in New York, somebody who drove from Cincinnati over to Community Cars because they wanted to do it in person. Every experience has been the best experience that those people have had in buying a car. So Community Cars, communitycars.com. So we have to, we got to talk about the soccer game that you and I
0: seconds ago just finished watching. Well, it's our fault. It's our fault. We were, we were very busy this weekend. We couldn't watch the, uh, the semifinal and they won. (laughs) So, um, this one's on us per usual, especially when it comes to soccer, but it doesn't make it less heartbreaking. In fact, it could not have been more heartbreaking.
1: I am not sure that I've ever seen Indiana soccer win a game. Now that says something about me that I just don't watch as many soccer games as I should, but I tend to watch final four title games or games that you and I are there to see us shit the bed against Rutgers in person. Yeah. And I know they win all the time, but when you, when I watch, when you watch, it's just brutal. But I got to say, like, I don't like the sport. I don't like the sport overall. I love Indiana. I want them to win. I was dying with every play. I don't like the sport for so many reasons. Maybe at the top of the list is you have a team sport. That is what's great about team sports is you win and lose as a team. And you end it with just a one-on-one competition that really is just a guessing game. I mean, why don't they just play Password? Like, it's just guessing. It's just the goalie just guesses.
0: Yeah, no. I mean, it, it, it is not satisfying. I believe the announcer said it's an incredible way to win and the absolute worst way to lose. And I think that's a great point as far as it being they were all out there fighting through two overtimes as a team, and now you've got like two, three guys on Indiana – who are just going to feel like it's all their fault for the rest of their lives.
1: Yeah. I mean, really just one guy, right?
0: Well, cause we, we, we missed two and then the goalie.
1: Yeah. Although the goalie, I mean, it's just a guessing game. It just, I know, but,
0: but, but you're that goalie and right. you're going to think through everyone they made and think about what you could have done to stop one of those. Yeah, it's going to torture fair. those guys.
1: That's fair. I just don't like a team sport ending in an individual competition. I don't like it. We wouldn't end a basketball game with a free throw competition.
0: Heavens, like, I hope not. <laughs>
1: we wouldn't end a we wouldn't end it. <laughs> <laughs> we wouldn't end a football title game with like a who field can goals. throw the football the furthest.
0: <laughs> yeah, fe- field goal kickoff. Look, yeah,
1: field goal kickoff. It it sucks. It's a team may, sport. Play. May, it's a great point.
0: Scores. I, I never thought about it like that before. I do remember Italy losing in the World Cup, and I got into it for that World Cup. And Baggio, I got, like, the faux jersey and everything, and he shit the bed in that. And I haven't watched the World Cup really much since. But this program is unbelievable. And this was a nice— look. Porter got as into watching this game with me as he was my son as um, we did the basketball game on Saturday. And again, if you're going to be an Indiana fan, you've got to get used to heartbreak. But I was like, look, that's how it is in most sports. You know, one team a year gets to finish on a win, um, at least if you're good enough to make it to the tournament. But son, you need to understand this is an unbelievable program that this is they're going for their ninth star that this is an incredible representation of the university and they'll be back when you are now in your second generation of an incredible coaching tree. Um, they'll be back. They'll be back. It just sucks. Now. This is, this is a couple of heartbreakers in real close proximity when they could have 10 stars right now instead of eight.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's eight championships in 50 years. So they're averaging one title every years or something like that it is insane they've been to 22 college cups in 50 years so that's averaging one every like 2.2 seasons or something like, like that i mean it's it's crazy the the program is insanely good but you're there and it's right there and you lose on a fucking penalty kick because the guy guessed right like i i mean it wasn't a good kick our guy no, I, mean, I don't know anything about soccer, but he looked like he kicked it weekly and pretty much just right. left or right of center. I mean, yeah,
0: it was that that was a real that that was on the the kick, not on the safe,
1: and also, let me say this another reason why I think it's so stupid kicking penalties. So somebody. Who hasn't played the entire game?
0: I texted you up. that. Well, what? Well, I mean, look, it happened that our first guy who was in that situation nailed it. I'm like, okay, Yeagley, he knows more than I do. But then, I mean, you're cold. Like, like you're physically cold. You're I I didn't get that either. I'm like, I don't, I guess because I don't even you like have that your it's
1: possible. Y- I mean, I don't even like that it's possible. I don't. I mean, a guy who doesn't play for they played 110 minutes of real soccer yeah. and then a guy and then, and and then uh, Sean Burke comes off the bench to shoot the free throw to win the title or not. I mean, like, it just doesn't make, I don't even understand it. I don't even understand why anybody thinks that's a good idea. Just keep playing.
0: Yeah, I agree. Um, anyway, congratulations to the, the gentlemen. It, it is nobody expected him to get that far this year in the tournament. So uh, I hope they can find some pride in that when they're done just being despondent, as I am sure, sure they are.
1: That's IU men's soccer. Let's touch on IU women's basketball. Uh, a quiet week since our last podcast. They played a game at Penn State where playing on the road in the Big Ten is tough. The women's basketball in the Big Ten is so hard. Went into Penn State, did not play a good first half, but rolled them in the second half. And again, doing it all without one of the best players in the country, Grace Berger. And they're still undefeated, man.
0: Well, and it's because one of the other best players in the country is on our team in Mackenzie Holmes and just continues to dominate down low.
1: And let me tell you who else is planting a flag as one of the best players in the country. Sidney Parrish. Filling it up. She is filling it up. She's rebounding at a crazy, crazy rate. I think she's got two double-doubles on the year. She's getting like eight to ten rebounds a game, it seems like, and just providing big-time energy, can shoot from the outside, drives to the hole. I mean, just what a homecoming it has been for sydney and filling in admirably very different player than grace you know more of a three-point threat than grace not as much of a ball handler as and facilitator as grace but more of a rebounder like she's just come in there guns blazing and and it's been fun to watch now they have um some time off for finals week they don't play again until i think the 18th or 19th so they're going to be ranked number four in the country for a little bit now which is pretty freaking awesome
0: yeah, it's always good to go and look and just see it see it sitting there.
1: Um, I do want to say, we didn't mention this, Caitlin Peterson, who was a backup point guard, uh, left the team, uh, transferred, entered the transfer portal. Look, Terry has said it. It ain't for everybody. Nope. And nope. and And we got ballers. So if you don't want to pay your dues and work your ass off to scratch into that rotation, then it ain't for you. I mean, it just ain't for you. Uh, but I'm I'm back in Terry and what she's doing there. I know you are too. And, I mean, uh, who
0: wouldn't be? I yeah. mean, players come and go from successful, not successful programs. This is rolling in an unprecedented manner, and that just makes room for somebody who is a fit sooner or later.
1: IU men's football. I mean, there's no real positive news to talk about right now. It's the off
0: season. It's fine. We can we can move on. <laughs>
1: Well, I don't want to move on so quickly because I do...
0: Well, you're such a glutton for punishment.
1: But it came up a lot over the weekend for me. Like, a lot of people wanted to talk about IU football. So I feel like I have to pay some attention to the fact that people are extremely worried. I mean, just very sad. And and no one... Usually, like, with fans, you know, this is what you got to do. You got to do this. I think intelligent fans know that it's just a really tough position to be in right now because obviously you've got a contingent of people who are like just fire tom allen whatever you have to do fire him fire him buy him out you got money for archie's buyout. if we're going to be serious about being a football program these are what serious football programs do you got to get rid of them i think intelligent fans know that there's several um pieces of information that that have to be looked at before you do something like that number one is who the hell are you going to get Right, and right now the Indiana football program is not in a place where you can say that they can go out and get a really good coach. You don't know. You're not going to get Urban Meyer. You know, you're not going to get somebody like that to come to Indiana football. The Deion Sanders train, which you know I was on. You were the um, you
0: were the lead conductor on that choo-choo train.
1: And look, I think Colorado. I mean, if I would, can you imagine being a Colorado football fan right now? I mean, think about it, no. Ward. I, what I like in um Colorado football fans right now I mean they've had what about a 20-year absence from being really relevant
0: yeah you know, I, the... I just Eric Bienemy is the last Colorado football player I think of was he after Cordell Stewart or were they together oh I think you know what I think Cordell might have been after him I, yeah, what, I'm not what, sure but
1: that era Bienemy, Cordell Stewart um that wide receiver that they had Westbrook Michael Westbrook remember yep. him yep I mean, I just remember as a kid, Colorado, Nebraska were really good football teams. Like, they were really good. Oklahoma, Colorado, Nebraska. They were all in that uh, Big 12 or Big 8 conference back then. And and they were all excellent. But I think, like, getting Dion and the excitement for those fans has to be like what so many Indiana basketball fans were hoping when Brad Stevens' name was, was coming to uh, the forefront. Like, I know it's not the same because Deion didn't grow up in Colorado, but just like, if you're a Colorado football fan, you think you got the third deck home run for right? sure.
0: Absolutely. And
1: I actually am jealous of those fans. I, I think that's an amazing thing for a fan of Colorado football to, to wait 20 years and then get that. What an awesome off season it must be for them.
0: That's nice for them back to us. I think the reason the The people I've talked to, whether it be in Vegas or just dudes on text chains it's there's so much concern about football, not like, oh, historically this is who we are and it's it's not like a shock to the system of like man i u football's in a bad place again, but with the shifting landscape of college sports of the huge money and the and the couple mega conferences that have now formed and are being driven by football even if they don't have much of a stake in Saturdays and seeing the team win, that is starting to grow because the realizing of the realization of five, ten years down the line, will IU men's basketball be enough to keep us in that very rare air that's just, you know, it's getting constricted. There are those with and without. And we're going to be, no matter how valuable the basketball team is, We're going to be on the fringe of that clinging on if the football team doesn't become okay. I'm with you. I
1: I think you're exactly right. I think that is why people are scared about it. And, again, I go to who do you get? Because everybody wants to go to the Tom Allen thing. Who do you get? I mean, we went the coordinator route before, right? We went with Kevin Wilson, who was the offensive coordinator for one of the best football programs in the country and one of the best offenses in the country. And Mm -hmm. we got him. And that didn't work out for Indiana. Now, some would argue he should have stayed. Some would argue that Fred Glass pulled the string on that one way too early and was just offended by some of Kevin's old school ways. Whatever. It didn't work. And the truth is, Kevin went and became the offensive coordinator or whatever he was at Ohio State for years, and now he's the head coach of Tulsa. So it's not like... Kevin went somewhere else, and a bunch of other big-time Division I Power 5 schools were clamoring to get Kevin Wilson as their head coach. He's at Tulsa after being at Ohio State for years of success, so maybe he wasn't the guy. We've gone the route of the retread head coach when they got Jerry DiNardo, and that was an absolute disaster. We've gone the Bill Lynch route, you know, hoping that we could carry on the Terry Hepner legacy. That didn't work. It's a tough job. It's an extremely tough job to be the head coach of Indiana and there is no one that cares more about Indiana football than Tom Allen. So I just don't know that even if you had the money
0: you fire him who do you get? I I well, just don't know. I yeah and I I think it's more about I don't think that's happening. There's nothing there's nothing that I've heard or been told that's like, Oh, so even discussing that at this point, I'm not really interested in those conversations. To me, it's more like what, what can be fixed um, to just start turning it back the other way. And look, it's, it's a pretty low bar to clear at this point of next season being better than this season and trying to, to rebuild what seemed so magical a couple of years ago. I'm not naive in thinking we're going to be, you know, Michigan and Michigan state and Penn state and play Ohio state close anytime soon. But is there, and I don't think there's anybody who obviously cares as much about IU football as Tom Allen, but also knows what's gone wrong. Like he has seen it day in and day out of, of what has happened and to just hope that he and whoever is in the brain trust going into this off season, can get some real clarity and be like, this is where we lost our way. And this is how we get back on track. But I, I don't have any, I don't have anything to contribute to that conversation, you know, injuries, bad luck. Yeah. But there's something about the culture. There's something about, okay, who are we having really run our different positional groups and how they're doing it. Something has to change, but the only guys who can do it are, are Tom and the, the guys he listens to.
1: And look, they brought in a new offensive line coach, and we know that that was a giant problem. And his loyalty to his guy may have hurt him. I mean, it's hard to argue that it didn't. Uh, He's an extremely loyal guy, and we talked to him, you know, before the season, and he talked about how painstaking it was to let the guys from last year go. Mm -hmm. Um, And he kept, you know, he kept the offensive line coach and then finally got rid of him midseason, which was weird, and brought in a stopgap. And that guy, you know, filled in as best as he could, but hard to fix a train when it's on the tracks. And now they brought in a new offensive line coach who's had, you know, been at Wisconsin, right, for many years, I believe,
0: is where our new offensive line coach was from. Correct. So you got – it can't get worse. Well, and I think when you think about uh, this is your first time uh, as a head coach, major, major college program, and you've got to learn. You've got to learn from your mistakes. and when you think about loyalty to um, those you are personally close with, those you're literally in this case in the trenches with when you're talking about the offensive line. But the greater loyalty is to Indiana University and the the, the program, everybody who supports it, who cheers for it. And you know, I think for Tom to realize, oh, I cannot this is not working. This is an absolute huge problem. And that, to me, shows growth right there of finally being like, I I can't let my personal loyalty get into the way of, of what this is really all about, which is getting this football team to perform better on the field. So, you know, like... Then then you've got to be like, well, how do you identify the correct talent at the, the staff positions to bring in? And I think, you know, we've talked about it here. A couple of great coordinators came through this program and are doing very well out in the world. Um, can we can we get some of that mojo back in the building one one way or another and just and just feel like things are trending in the right direction?
1: Yeah. And so far there's no hubbub on whether or not he's going to get rid of any of our coordinators. Now, I, I personally have an issue with a defensive coordinator that you don't trust enough to make the play calls. I, I don't get it. I don't get it. And and especially when Tom took over the play calling and the defense sucked this year.
0: Yeah. I mean, well, I was like, earth. I don't really see anything different between how many offensive coaches, uh, head coaches call their own plays, but the coordinator is so important on preparing that I I think that can work just as well on the defensive side of things, but it didn't for us.
1: No, it didn't. And, and I think that that's where Indiana, again, I don't, I, I have two thoughts on solutions. One is NIL. I mean, I know a lot of people think that like, well, I need to see some improvement or I need to see this, or I need the administration to do X, Y, and Z before I, if we are all waiting to support IU football NIL, somebody else does something we're dead
0: we're yeah, dead that's Game's backwards over. that's backwards we have, we
1: have started a football only collective go to hhnil.com there are two giant buttons on the homepage. all that money goes directly to football nil we need to make football nil a priority at indiana it needs to happen if it doesn't happen we will not progress period I don't care what they do. I don't care how pretty the stadium is. I don't care how good the if they make a football only locker room and weight or football only weight facility. It doesn't matter if we don't compete in the NIL world for football
0: players. Now we will lose the football war. Period. And, and even if you're checked out on football, if you've never been into football, think about doing that for the sake of basketball.
1: Yeah, you're right. You're it's a good point. Like you, the way you articulated it on the future of college sports clearly football is what brings you to the table so there's that and and then the other solution is I do think Indiana needs to overspend for coordinators I think they've got to like blow out the bank yeah because you're not going to get a guy to come here thinking it's a great opportunity you got to overpay him and we got to get the good ones you got to go find the next Kalen DeBoer you got to go find the next Kane Womack like we need those guys because those are the guys also that are recruiting. Like, yep. yes, NIL will help you immensely, but the players also have to like and respect and value and and want to play for the coordinators and their position coaches. So I think that's where Indiana has to blow it up and overspend to to get those good guys to come to Indiana. So that's football. We got to talk about a few things happening in the world of college basketball that do have some Indiana implications. And one of them is really fun. And Mm -hmm. the other two are miserable for different reasons. Let's start
0: with the Chris Beard story. Okay. Did not think we were going to be talking about this today. No,
1: but I would like to... Uh, read, I have the affidavit here, the affidavit from the Austin Police Department that lays out what the police say happened when they responded to a 911 call. Here's what they say. I will read the pertinent parts. Upon arrival to the residence, a female answered the door who was the complainant of the call. The complainant is identified as, and then they black out her name, she sta- stated that she had been assaulted and strangulated by her fiance. Fiance is identified as Christopher M. Beard. When speaking to complainant, she stated that her and her fiancé, whom she's been with a total of six years, had been upset with each other for a couple of days regarding relationship issues. However, complainant was not specific. Complainant was asked if there was if there were verbal altercation had turned physical at any point, to which complainant replied, yes, quote, he just snapped on me and became super violent, then began describing what her fiance Christopher had done, such as, quote, he choked me, threw me off the bed, bit me, wow, bruises all over my leg, throwing me around and going nuts, close quote. Complainant concluded her statement by stating, quote, I just did not feel safe as to why, uh, end quote, as to why she had called 911. A complainant was asked if the choking impeded her breathing, to which she replied, quote, yes, I could not breathe. He did it for probably five seconds, where she proceeded to demonstrate having an arm across her neck. Additionally, complainant stated that Christopher had placed an arm around her neck while he was behind her. Uh, Then they go into, I won't read the rest of it.
0: Yeah, I feel like I'm listening to a true crime story, like, like a true crime TV, like this is, disturbing and and violent and makes me really glad we hired woody (laughs) yeah
1: i mean they go on to say like what preceded it they were fighting or something and he was twirling his reading glasses and she was trying to talk to him and she he wasn't responding so she took the reading glasses and broke them okay and went into the other room at which point I'm going to read this
0: part. This is, I mean, I feel this is a little gratuitous.
1: No, it's not gratuitous. I, I want to get it right so that we're not being inaccurate.
0: I think. Okay. All right.
1: After a period of ten to fifteen minutes, complainant stated that Christopher went to their bedroom and was upset about his broken glasses when she attempted to offer a new pair of glasses to Christopher while in the room. And after being offered a new pair of glasses, complainant stated that Christopher slapped the glasses she was wearing off of her face, and then it just went more and more and they the police say that they did see visible teeth marks and redness on her arm where she said she was bit i mean this is i mean this is domestic abuse it's domestic violence and he was arrested for it and texas just within the last few hours suspended him without pay while this investigation goes he got a lawyer And the lawyer already came out and said, he is innocent of all these charges. No. The complainant has already said to drop all the charges. Okay. We've both been around enough to know. Yeah, The spin zone. It's not just spin. It's like, I wonder who around Chris has gone to her to offer her whatever to not be cooperative with the police. I wonder if this man who beat her, allegedly, if she's scared of him.
0: Okay. I mean, I don't. I don't want to go in depth. This talking about. It. I don't. I just don't think this is relevant. I. I
1: it's I, a giant college basketball story.
0: Yeah, I know. But like, I, I, oh, okay. First. However long it takes for him to get fired or whatever the long-term ramifications are with his job, certainly, you know, like to me, I'm good cutting to the chase of, all right, we'll let that all play out in the courts and the court of public opinion. Obviously in the way this day and age, uh, social media works, everybody knows about it immediately. And he's guilty as charged. I have no idea, but usually the way this stuff plays out is, this is pretty close to what happened. All I do is go through that calculus and be like, okay, well, she's okay. Now let me focus on me. Um, Which is
1: how it it impacts us.
0: Yes. Yes. That obviously this is a very serious, awful matter matter that happened. They're going to figure it all out. In the meantime, does that mean we can get another player uh, one specifically who is looking at Texas and at IU, you know, let's, let's turn this into a positive, at least for us.
1: Well, the positive is potentially Liam McNeely, who we have been in on from Mount Verde. He's or he's playing at Mount Verde. Now he's from Texas. And the word was that Texas and Beard had built a great relationship with him and they were in the driver's seat. It's his hometown team. Beard is a beast on the recruiting trail um and
0: apparently other places too oh, see,
1: i wasn't gonna go there <laughs> see you're making light of it i was reading affidavits you're <laughs> making jokes
0: that's how i deal with it it's awful it's awful but i there's so many awful things in the world i just can't let them weigh me down i gotta keep going
1: i get it but i do want to say this i saw some people like online posting this is just a sad situation for everybody involved no it is not it is a sad situation for the woman It is a sad situation for any loved ones who have to deal with the fallout. It is a sad situation for the Texas players who are now without a coach. It is a sad situation for Texas fans who put their faith and trust into this man. And he's a lunatic. Like it's not sad for Chris Beard. I Uh, don't give a shit about him.
0: Presuming that is all true. I'm a hundred percent with you.
1: So Liam McNeely is from a really good family who everything I have heard is like, Character matters. Relationships matter. Where they're sending their kid and trusting where he's going to go to the adults around him, that they are the best people to cultivate him into a man and his basketball career to progress. All of that matters. This is going to impact that recruitment, you would think. I mean, you would just think. I would also think this is also not a recruitment, I don't believe, where NIL is the end all be all. Texas has unlimited resources when it comes to this stuff. I don't believe the McNeely family is looking for the highest bidder for when it comes to NIL.
0: Maybe you have heard otherwise. I have not heard another school uh, above Indiana in this recruitment besides Texas.
1: I haven't. I have heard that Texas was the one that everybody was worried about, that that was the one with the inside track. Doesn't mean that more won't come calling, especially now. Sure. Sure. But we've been building a relationship for a long time. Brian Walsh is the lead recruiter on this, has done a fantastic job. Liam McNeely visited the school, struck up a good relationship with Woody. The family liked their visit. There's other people around it that like Indiana. They understand the history of basketball. That's important to them. The McNeely family is a long list of people who have played high-end basketball. They understand and want him to be in an environment where basketball is meaningful. That's all good. Not to mention, what's going to happen with current players, recruits that they've already got lined up for next year. You know, well, look,
0: we we got to scoop Bates out of Texas. Turnover, Uh, you know, and like this would be if we wanted to go two for two on that. I think we'd be all really excited about the skill set that Liam has because he's he's a taller guy, but he can he can put the ball in the bucket.
1: I I I know you don't want to go too deep on it, and we won't. I, I just don't get it. I mean, you're.
0: You're a crazy person. Like, look, it's just like there's no, he he didn't talk himself into doing this thing. He, if this really happened, if this is how it went down, he snapped. He snapped and literally lost his mind. But as an adult in this country, if you lose your mind, anything short of self-defense, you're going to pay the price for it. And in his case, it could be. I'm not going to say his career, because if this proves to be true enough, he'll end up getting a gig at some point down the way. But it's gonna, there's going to be millions of dollars and some time on the sideline until he can come back from uh, – and look, maybe they'll dig into it and there's a history of it and a pattern. You never know. You never know. But regardless, this time, it's, uh, the, the ramifications have begun. They're instantaneous.
1: Yeah and I would also argue that where we are in the world in 2022 is different than where we were 5 years ago, 10 years ago, 20 years ago. This kind of stuff is elevated as it should be because it was overlooked for way too long. That doesn't happen in 2022, especially at a college. I mean, I think that's the you well, know I, yeah, I know cause you're cause gonna you know bring where up I'm going. Sean, you're you're going to bring up John Watson.
0: Well, yeah, that's what I was going to bring up because I mentioned it earlier. They're paying them uh, a quarter billion dollars to be their quarterback. And I get it. They're not a public institution that are paying people with tax dollars from the state of Texas. But I think there are still people at certain institutions, whether they be professional or, or academic, who want to win at all costs. We'll see what Texas, uh, how they, they end up judging this they're pretty quick to move on this so far so that's probably an indication of how they'll handle it if this all seems to be how it actually went down but look there's schools like houston who don't give a shit
1: (laughs) (laughs) well i mean they don't i don't know if they don't give a shit about domestic
0: i know i'm i'm i was i was making maybe not a great joke but there are plenty of places that somebody who's really good is going to get another shot whether it's right or not
1: yeah, look, the old adage was you can get fired in, um, you can keep your job or get rehired in college basketball for anything except not winning. You know? Come on long,
0: down, Rick Patino.
1: Right. It's like none of it matters, but I do think there's been a bit of a sea change in how we view these things, and you do become a bit of a pariah these days when it comes to this. It could be career-threatening. Who knows? Like you said, our focus is how does it impact Indiana? And I, I just um, I do feel bad for all of the victims of this. Those are all the people affected by it, except Chris Beard. I do not give a shit about him. And I haven't heard the most glowing things about Chris Beard, from other people in the coaching profession. Yes, okay right. Uh, and And there was a reason. Why Indiana, when he was available and Texas had not made a decision on Shaka, did not pursue Chris Beard. They didn't want him. What they had found out about him, they didn't want him anywhere near Indiana. I'm not saying it has anything to do with domestic violence or a history of that. They just found out enough stuff that they didn't want to go near him. And chickens come home to roost. And uh, like you said, if this is true, adios, good riddance. I hope we never see him again. Amen. all right, let's move on to one other thing about college basketball. Okay. And this is going to be real short before we end on a fun thing about college basketball. Sure. There's a new number one team in the country.
0: Moving on to the fun part of talking about college basketball. I do not want to talk about this. Like, you do you just want to upset me? Do you want to upset yourself, our listeners? This I'm already is already upset. Yeah. This is my catharsis. Okay. All right. I hear that. I'm not but I'm not going to feel any better after we talk about it.
1: Yeah, that's probably true. All right, we don't have to talk about it. Let's Great. let's move on to the fun thing. Louisville basketball.
0: <laughs> I never go to another team's message board, but somebody linked it on pegs and I was like, "All right, let me go see what's going on in there and it is a dumpster fire."
1: I have not done the the message board perusing. The the Sean Fry, uh message board uh, <laughs> reading, but I did pull up their Ken Palm page this morning. Where are they? And it's all red. I mean, they are <laughs> they are zero and nine. They just lost to a bad Florida State team that I believe was one and eight when they played them, and Florida State beat them seventy five to fifty
0: three.
1: They have scored games of. 53 points, 53 points, 54 points, 38 points, 54 points, 60 points. This is a terrible, terrible team. They are ranked by Ken Palm as the 310th best offense in the country and the 137th best defense for an overall ranking of 237
0: in the country. (laughs) Who's like right ahead of them?
1: Let me, let me go back and look at that. That's a good question. (laughs) Let's see here.
0: Let's see who ranked 236.
1: Yeah, yeah. What, 236 the... is Grambling State.
0: Okay. All right. Two, They're doing the best they can.
1: 235 is Pacific. Bucknell, 234. Niagara, 232. <laughs> I mean, it is as bad. It's worse. I couldn't believe it, but it is worse than Crean's first three years.
0: Did you go back and look at Ken Palm? Yeah.
1: Oh, yeah. It's worse. I mean, they are worse. It's, wow. it's they Ken Palm... Does a prediction, and the prediction from Ken Palm is right now that they go three. Well, here's what's crazy: if you go game by game, they only predict them to win two games the rest of the year. One against Florida A&M, who is rated like the worst team in college basketball, and one against Lipscomb, who's rated 188. That Ken Palm is predicting they win by one point. <laughs> so. I mean, it is remarkable what's happening there, and I just it does bring me back to some PTSD of the Cream first three years, how bad that was. But man, it is uh, it is ugly for our neighboring state school of Louisville, and I
0: am fine with it. Um, look, we we have been in the very depths, and I don't I don't remember louisville fans being particularly generous or they're there or helpful um i think around that time they were cheating and winning national championships so uh i'm fine with being completely petty and enjoying uh them being in that position instead of us if you can't enjoy
1: a rival's failures then you're not an Indiana fan. Yeah, you're I mean, not. You're
0: not a rival.
1: I, yeah, I don't want to live in that world. So, <laughs> all right, let's get to the the main attraction here, and we've got uh, a special guest coming on later to talk all basketball and and about the team and the game. But let's get into the weekend. Okay, Vegas, baby, Vegas.
0: Now, now, uh, with our guest later, is that going to fall under the heading of our, our new section yes. with our, our, our new yeah. uh, friends? Great, because I've got a new idea on the name. I'm going to oh, test out the name. Oh, you've got a new
2: name.
1: Okay, yeah. cool. Um, yep, we'll hit that later. All right, so you and I traveled um, different paths to get there. You road tripped it with, a, with your entire family, including kids, for their first game, right? It was a pretty big deal. So you road tripped it. I took a flight with Holly. Holly was sick before the trip and she canceled then she was back in then she canceled then she was back in she took a covid test right before negative all good she's like i think i'm getting better it's just a head cold let's do this let's go we flew to vegas i got there friday around two o'clock you were just a couple hours behind me uh i stayed at the venetian you stayed at
0: what hotel Oh, well, you know, this is the beautiful Oyo Hotel right across the street from the MGM Grand. It's like, it's so close, it's faster to get into the MGM Grand from the Oyo than uh, from another part of the MGM Grand. However, yeah, <laughs> it used to be, when I first stayed there, New Year's Eve, I think 2001, to, uh, to see a Strokes concert, um, it was the San Remo it was um not a nice hotel not terrible not nice um kind of yeah it was kind of dumpy but it got the job done for some young people going to see a concert it was later cons- conscripted by hooters the hooters franchise uh said yeah. they we need a real presence in vegas they bought the san Remo. well of course then we're not going to stay at a hotel uh, that has Hooters all over it. My my wife isn't there for that, and I don't think the food's any good. So we hadn't stayed there since. But here we're looking at where's close to the MGM Grand. We can have the whole family stay there because this was for my father-in-law's 80th birthday celebration. It was him, my mother-in-law, brother-in-law, sister-in-law, aunt-in-law. You know, okay, hey, this is gonna work. And look at the website. The Oyo Hotel is now like, oh, it used to be Hooters, but I guess they they must have bought it from Hooters. And it now it looks like this really cool boutique boutique hotel. But was then as it, we arrive, was
1: it a really cool boutique hotel?
0: And then as we arrive, we see the signage that there is a huge sign for the Hooters restaurant. Inside the Oyo hotel and then like the beautiful mind, the matrix, it all starts coming together and I realize Oyo is the two O's from Hooters, but they're like the owl eyes and the Y is like the owl beak and it's just a rebranding of hooters and Hooters still owns the hotel and and it's all a facade and you walk in and it is the worst smelling hotel i have ever been what in. does it
1: smell like if you had to put a if you had to put a description on it
0: like a combination of of 40 year old cigarette smoke a uh, body odor and sadness <laughs> Yeah. 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 Mix in a tinge of bankruptcy. Yeah. And just, and just like the, 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 the cap on it, since we don't need to talk about this hotel anymore after this segment was I'm coming back to the hotel room late Saturday night. My in-laws are asleep across the hall. I'm going to my family's room and and basically adjacent to, to my in-laws room. There's a man on the floor and you know how, when you're like really cold and passed out and you're just sleeping on your side with like your hands between your knees. Well, I've seen that before, but I I don't think I've been in that situation, but yes. Uh, yeah, well, okay, that makes one of us. And and the guy's just sitting there rambling like by like an old uh room service tray. I want to say I hope that was his door and he just lost his key or somebody kicked, kicked him out and wouldn't let him in. But I had to step over a body basically to get to my hotel room.
1: Now, there, I stayed at the Venetian. I spent a lot of time at the MGM because that's where the majority of of fans, and that's where the team stayed. But there were a lot of people staying at different places, and I talked to lots of people. They're like, yeah, oh, no, we're staying at the Luxor, or we're staying at the um, – some people got, B, you know, Airbnbs. Oh, I'm staying at uh, Park MGM, a lot of people I heard mm-hmm. staying at. Yep. Uh, some people were staying at Paris that that we talked to. No one I talked to said they were staying at the OYO. Now, I may be wrong. I'm sure you saw some. I but did. But no, no one that – was in my sphere. It, and it is close. It is you just throw a baseball and you're there. But the only people I knew staying at the OYO hotel were Ward Roberts and his family, which I got a kick out of,
0: yeah, yeah, there there's a reason I think everybody else except those, like fifteen other Hoosiers I saw roaming around in that place. Everybody else did did some real digging. They didn't just believe the website photographs. <laughs> um,
1: correct. So, and look,
0: look, you get what you pay for. When we we were like, well, this is the best deal in town. You gotta ask though. That, how that much was it? I think it was like uh, two hundred and fifty bucks a night. Word.
1: I mean, like the Venetian. I think I paid like two sixty a night. No way. Dude, you got to go on, like, you got to dig. There are good rates. I've stayed at the Wynn Casino for $250 a night.
0: Annie was doing, look, it might have been because we were doing it kind of last second, too, but Annie was doing the cheap tickets, the kayak, all that, and this was, like, $100 cheaper than anything else within walking distance because we, did, we didn't we did want to have to, like, take an Uber every time because it's like herding cats with seven family but members. Do
1: you think it was worth saving the 100 bucks a night for two You know nights?
0: what? I wouldn't do it again, but I I loved being able to just walk across the street. I, yeah, no,
1: I, I mean I get it. I mean maybe also just walk down and just walk to the elevator would also have been nice.
0: That would have been better. But look, this is what uh, one of the many beautiful, unexpected pleasures of having this podcast. Whenever anything bad happens, you, you know. know that it's just good content. Be <laughs> like, oh, this is going to be
1: great. We're going to be talking about the Oyo for sure. <laughs> so i remember when i told holly she goes what and then (laughs) i'm like yeah the oyo and then as she she took an uber from our hotel to meet me at the mgm grand and she just took a picture of the hooters restaurant in front of the oyo oh yeah and and just like just sent it to me i just made me laugh hard um so on friday afternoon i head over to the mgm to just kind of scope out where are we gonna do our pregame get together you know we just thought a few fans are going to want to get together before the game we got to find a place where we can all just hang out you know and get ready for the game walking into that casino it was there were two kinds of people at the mgm grand and i would argue there was two kinds of people in las vegas that weekend for real there were hoosier fans and there were cowboys
0: hoosiers and cowboys all weekend long it was and worse. Awesome. The-
1: I have a cowboy Hoosier hat, and I didn't bring it.
0: You blew it, man. You blew it. Giant, giant but, fail. But, it, like, as as <laughs> there, we didn't see too many uh, dressed-up cowboys at the OYO, but as soon as we walked into the MGM, I mean, those cowboys go all out, ladies and dudes, and just to see, you know, the, the spectacle of it, it was almost like a Mardi Gras for but cowboys. They're not, but they're not going all out. That's just what they wear. I I think some of them have like hey we're going out in Vegas for the rodeo we're going to put on our best duds. You know that's Maybe, not what they're that's not what they're wearing on the ranch.
1: But they're all wearing the cowboy hats all the time. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that's yeah. what they do.
0: But I think they all have like you're going out Vegas, you know, they looked good. It, it wasn't like covered in cow shit. No, these they were there their-
1: looking Yellowstone Cowboys. Um <laughs> so so immediately of course my connection to cowboy life is Yellowstone and Tombstone. I mean, that's it. And I am obsessed with Yellowstone and I told everybody in my circle, I'm just gonna go up, here was my plan. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I believe I could be a good cowboy.
0: I do not believe that for one second. You can't even, you can't even walk in, you can't even stand in your backyard without hurting yourself. You would die within 30 seconds of arrival on any real ranch. He's walked off like he's going to get his cowboy hat and that's somehow going to prove that he would be a good cowboy. He, he would look like an idiot. Yeah, there he is. Yep. Howdy. I mean, yeah. No, I mean, really, the hoodie really sells it.
1: Listen, I think I could be a good cowboy. I heard everything you said
0: insulting me. What could you do good as a cowboy? One thing, name one good cowboy quality you would have.
1: I think I could be a good leader of the guys that stay in the bunk, the bunks in the, in the bunkhouse, the, the, the low end Cowboys on the ranch. I think I could be like rip in, in, um, in Yellowstone where he just kind of leads them delegates responsibility, tells them what we need to do quickly solves a problem when there's a hole in the fence and the rival ranch is trying to steal our cattle. I think I could come up with a good plan to go fuck them. Like, I think I could do that.
0: Well, okay. In terms of some sort of evil sabotage, yeah. I yeah. could see you doing that. But in terms of, you don't know how to mend a hole in the fence. How could you tell those guys how to do it? I would do some reading on Google. <laughs> and I would look up a couple YouTube videos. You would reference a lot of the Yellowstone episodes you'd watched?
1: Yeah, I've got I've got the new iPhone. So it um it downloads videos, like, from YouTube. It streams them real quick. I'd have an answer to a lot of problems pretty quickly on the ranch
0: well um i think people do tune in to hear us disagree so there you go everybody there All right, you go So
1: anyway what i was going to i had it in my head i was going to walk up to a group of cowboys and i was gonna go hey
0: yellowstone am i right this is why i know you'd be a bad cowboy i can't even see your eyes right now
1: yeah yellowstone well
0: there, yeah, there you go okay yeah I would have so, loved if you'd said that to those Cowboys with your hat so low that they just couldn't see your face. <laughs> I mean, I mean, that's, that's the best part of the Cowboy hat for me. Uh, so
1: that was going to be my plan, but it was awesome. I walk in Friday and there's Anthony Leal and there's Trey Galloway playing some uh, roulette at the time is what I was watching Trey Galloway play. He's of age. He knows yeah, what he's doing. Totally. Miller cop comes in, see Miller um, and just Indiana fans as far as the eye could see. Just a constant stream of Indiana fans. I mean, it felt, I mean, in some ways it felt even more intense than being in Bloomington as far as IU fans. Because it was all concentrated in one area.
0: Well, it's it's expected in Bloomington, too. So you don't notice people walking by an IU gear in Bloomington. It's It's... It's standard issue wear. But to be, I've probably been to Vegas 25 times. Right. And maybe a couple of times per visit, you see somebody wearing an IU thing, and of course you talk to them. But this, it was, it was the predominant uniform of people partying in Vegas. If it wasn't a cowboy hat, it was an Indiana something. And by the way, a lot of great Indiana swag are on display out there because look we know we haven't had the best swag year in and year out for for a long time but so many people whether they're older and they have original throwback stuff or in the secondary market where it's you can find cool old iu stuff from decades past there was a lot of great gear out there this weekend
1: yeah i agree with you um and so much enthusiasm and happiness and excitement. It was just so awesome to talk to all these people and and to just be part of that. We were all so excited. So that was Friday night. So I, I gotta I want to tell the story here. So I brought Holly, you know, and I and I'm I knew that I was gonna be away because I was gonna go to Vegas and then I was gonna go to Kansas but I didn't want her to feel like I'm just ignoring her and then asking her to stay at my house and watch the dogs. Sure. So we figured out a way for her to come to Vegas. And then I wanted to like do something nice. So we did have this Adele show that was scheduled. Um, well, Bailey's making some noise. So that was on Friday night. We had dinner at six o'clock at Caesars and then the Adele show at eight o'clock. We got in at like, you know, two 30. I went to scout the MGM and then just got lost in Hoosier hoopla. So I was, I was a pig and shit and I had my warm up jacket on and my goofy hat that I, you know, that I got off eBay a couple of years ago.
0: Looked great. That was a great call.
1: Thank you. But I did know I was going to go back to my hotel to change for the Adele concert to look like an adult, you know, that was there. Not like a 14 year old, a Hoosier clown. Yes. But the line to get a cab back to Venetian was insane. So I just get in line and I'm like, I called Holly. I'm like, I'm sorry. I'm going to have to meet you at the restaurant. And I'm wearing all this stupid IU stuff. I just,
0: this is what it's going to be. Wouldn't have been a problem if you stayed at the OYO.
1: (laughs) You're right. You're right. Uh, And a woman in front of me, like, you know, like a very, very nice, attractive, middle-aged woman says, it's not stupid, Indiana gear. Like, she hears me on the phone. I'm like, oh, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I hang up the phone. We start talking. I'm like, where are you from? And I notice she is she is just dressed so nicely. Really nice blouse, cream colored, and a little red, like, rose flower thing. And in the middle of it, it says Hoosiers. Ooh, classic. She looks great. And I'm like, where are you from? And she's from Jasper. I'm like, oh, you're from Jasper. So you have to know my friend Michael Lewis. And she goes... I've known Michael his whole life. He was friends with my nephews. And and I'm like, we should start striking up this unbelievable conversation. Her husband joins the, the line. We start having a great conversation about Indiana. Where are you guys headed to now? They're like, we're headed to Caesars. I'm like, I'm going to Caesars. The guy's like, this one's on me. You join us. So we, I get in a car with these two people I just met. We head over to Caesars. He has listened to our podcast, sees us on Twitter. We start talking about Indiana, and Indiana, I'm not going to give away their names, but it was awesome. They were such great people. Then they're like, hey, we're meeting these other people at Caesars. You should come with us. They'll want to see you. So he goes, and we meet those people. It's like a group of his sons and girlfriends and they're fans of the podcast. So that was awesome. They're like, why is dad hanging out with the Hoosier hysterics guy? <laughs> Makes no sense. Then I... I I couldn't be further away from the restaurant at Caesars and still be in the casino. Yeah, yeah.
0: And and as you know, it's like a two-mile walk. I mean, there's two different area codes just inside Caesars. Yes, it's massive. (laughs) So I am
1: huffing it to get there on time, and I am sweating, which is the first time I have sweat in about nine weeks because of my foot injury.
0: Got a little got a little workout in. Got a workout in, but my
1: foot is killing me. Uh, killing me. But I get that. to dinner. We do dinner. Great dinner. Go to the Adele show. And I'll be honest, at the beginning of the show, I'm like, all right, I did my part. Got the tickets. Holly's gonna be happy. I like Adele's music. I think she's an amazing singer, but I don't really care that much about going to this concert. So about I don't know, five minutes in, I'm on my phone checking who's your Twitter. Sure, sure. And Holly just looks over to me and she goes, what the fuck are you doing? <laughs> Loud enough for other people to hear it. Like oh, I, I don't. Know. I'm here. I don't know. I like. I thought being there was enough. It was not enough.
0: Well, and and Holly should know. I mean, she might as well have yelled at you for breathing. You were checking IU Twitter. That's yeah, just exactly just part of your motor functions. Yeah, it's involuntary. Yeah. So,
1: I put the phone away and I watched this Adele concert, and it blew me away. Yeah. It was unbelievable. They set the stage and the piano
0: on fire. They had <laughs> water, rain coming down on her. Confetti came out like five times. Are you sure the rain wasn't just to put out the piano fire? Hmm, good question. Could have been. She was
1: amazing. I was like, I nailed this. I just nailed this. Then it was- Oh, I oh want... you,
0: you took credit for the Adele show. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah,
1: yeah 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 nailed the adult show so then it was that was over holly was tired she wanted to go back evan and his wife went they all went back and i was like no i'm not done with hoosier love tonight i gotta get over to the mgm again that's where the party is that's where the cowboys are and that's where the hoosiers are
0: and it's such a friendly mix like And, you know, we can get to that more like post game two of our Cowboy buddies, but it was one of those ones if there had been and there were hardly any Arizona fans walking around. They they presented themselves well enough in the arena. We can get to that later. But it was it. I would say it's a conservative estimate that I would see 10 people in Indiana gear for every one person in Arizona. It could have been 15 to one easily.
1: Oh, one thing I forgot to mention about Friday that I loved. When I saw all the players there, Miller Copp and Anthony Leal and Trey Galloway, and I had a conversation with Miller, we were talking about the Arizona game. And he was so excited and ready and geared up. And he's like, we got to show how tough we are. Like, we got to show, you know, West Coast teams. They don't typically play tough. He's like, we got we to gotta smack them in the mouth early in that game. And it reminded me of, made me think of the Redeem Team documentary. Have you watched that one yet on Netflix? No. You have to watch it. It's awesome. All about the Redeem Team with Kobe and LeBron and Carmelo and awesome documentary. And there is a great story in the documentary about the game against Spain where uh, Kobe and Pau Gasol were you know, teammates on the Lakers. They were like right. brothers, really close. And LeBron and Carmelo and all these guys are telling the story that Kobe came up to all of them and said, listen, I'm going to take pow out first play of the game. And they're like, what? He's like, I'm going to fucking run through him. I'm going to put him on his ass. Like I'll take the foul, but I'm, I'm going to kill him. We're going to smack these sons of bitches in the mouth right away in the game and show them we're not friends. We're not brothers. We're going to send a message. And there was a play run at the beginning of the game, and Kobe said, I know what play they're going to run. When they get the ball, they're going to run this, like, stagger screen where Kobe was guarding his man was going to have to sprint from one side of the court all the way to the other where Powell would be waiting with a screen. And Kobe runs as fast as he can and puts his elbow into Powell's chest and knocks him, like, into the first row. It was unbelievable. Unbelievable. And you see Pau's face like, what? And the rest of the American team was like, oh, my God, he did it. And then we just rolled them. I mean, we and they were – people thought Spain was going to beat us that game. Miller's like, I watched it. He goes, I'm going to do the same thing. He's like, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do the same thing. We watch.
0: I don't even know if I should be saying this. But (laughs) did you see him do it at the beginning of the game? I, I I didn't realize it was such a concerted. I thought it was uh, him just being amped for the game. He was amped
1: and made a point of running through a guy. And then did you see his reaction afterwards? Because they called a foul on that guy. Miller looks to the team, and is like, get the foul. Let's go. Let's go. Like was so worked up. I was like, oh my god, it's happening. It's happening. But then it didn't happen. Okay, but I yeah, did love we'll that moment. That. But anyway. That, I just wanted to recount that moment because I thought it was so cool. So, dinner and Adele happen. I come back to the MGM because that's where the party is. I'm again going out into a taxi line that is like three miles long. And I walk down the line, and a group of Hoosier fans in the line was like, Hoosier hysterics! I'm like, yeah, what's up? They're like, yeah, we talked a little bit. And then a guy comes up to me, and he's like, you want to wait in this line, or I'll give you this SUV. he will take you guys private for like $60. I'm like, let's do it. I rolled up to those other guys that grabbed me in line. I'm like, you guys want to get out of this line? We all piled into this SUV, like eight of us, and it took us back to the MGM Grand, where we get that night until the game is some of the most fun I've ever had in my life. I mean, it was remarkable.
0: Because we have so much fun going to Bloomington and talking, interacting, having fun with other IU fans. It, it's so special for us to be back there. And look, everybody loves to be in Bloomington. It's a good times place. But Vegas is a whole other beast. And everybody's there. The The, the one arm bandits are crashing. It's just such a hoot that... And look, at this point, the game hasn't been played. And optimism sky high. We're also excited not just to be here for just this game, but the trajectory of the program, uh, the prospects for the season. It's it was so much fun to, to be in that environment and whether it be coming in and out of the bathroom, uh, passing somebody who was like at the slots, like just, just seeing not only people I was in a fraternity with, to people we've met through the podcast, um, to, to former players who are there who just want to be there too and watch the game. Um, We really took the MGM grand over for the better part of I don't know sixty hours, and you could not go more and you know, and this is why it was good that my uh entire in law family was there because it happened multiple times when I was with my wife or my kids that they could continue on and live their life. Uh, shopping, getting something to eat, and they would know, okay, once Ward is out of eyesight, text them whenever we get to a certain place, because I I can't not stop and talk to Hoosiers, whether I know them or not. It was just a continuous um, waterfall of great conversations and happiness.
1: And we got to meet people that, I mean, I got to meet people, you got to meet people that we've been t- uh, tweeting with, people that have been exchanging messages on the Peegs
0: board. Oh, you get I all, mean, they, they come up and introduce themselves by their Peegs name, which I know I they know,
1: we got to get name tags where people say, I'm this on Peegs. Yeah. Like, yeah. I, I. But, I mean, I don't want to, I don't know if we should give out people's names, I don't know if they'd want that, but there was... These two, you know, this woman who I've been tweeting with and her mom were there with their best friend who we've been we've been tweeting with for the last several weeks and couple months.
0: I saw I ran on into, Twitter spaces with us. I ran into uh, to Brandon and his wife, Crystal, who I ran into at Hattie B's in Nashville, who we talked about. I mean, it's just
1: it was so freaking amazing. I just wanted to be there
0: forever. Like,
1: I just wanted to be there as long as possible. And. That's what led us to then throw out the gauntlet to IU Hoosier fans, meet us at the whiskey down at 1030 a.m. That's when it opens. And we were trying to find where's the best place going to be. No one would let us reserve it. So it was just like, well, let's just hope we get there
0: early and take it over. But but you would come to me because I was in the whiskey down with fraternity brothers. That was our first meetup spot. And you were like, okay, well, we could do it here. Or I was just over at this uh, honky-tonk bar uh, called Losers. Where do you think we should do it? I was like, well, definitely not at the bar called Losers, especially not when it's a honky-tonk and there's a million cowboys in town. So the whiskey down was, for many reasons, the right call. But we had no idea the kind of response that was going to be coming.
1: So I got there on Saturday morning around 10 a.m. I walked from the Venetian down there, which that walk was so enjoyable. Had my cigar out, nice. walked. It was a cool day, very cold in Vegas, and just a, a just parade of Hoosier fans, you know, that see your gear. Everybody's high-fiving, you know, taking pictures. It's awesome. And I get there around 10 o'clock, and then people start to gather. More and more and then we've got a group of like 50, 60, 70 people before the place even opens. And the, I went into the, the bar and spoke to the manager that I had talked to the day before. I'm like, "We've got a big group." And she looked around and she's like, "Oh my God, I don't know if we can handle this." They opened it up at 10:35. We rushed in, and from 10:35 a.m. till we left the whiskey down, it was pure Hoosier love all around, just constantly having conversations with people. And I just want to take a moment here to get sappy because the number of many of you who are out there that are listening to this, that came up to us to thank us for the podcast and what we do for Indiana. It was, I've said this before. I must say it again. Cause I mean it with every fiber of my being. It is the most humbling and gratifying Experience that I have ever been a part of, and to get to talk to people and learn where they're from—people of all ages—and I mean men, women, grandmas, grandpas, kids—like to be able to connect with people because of the shared love that we have. It it is overwhelming. I I find it emotionally overwhelming, and I love talking to these people who are part of this family that have welcomed us into it ward. It and never, it, just, it blows me away. It, it never me. gets
0: old. Like I, I I remember the first time I met somebody in Bloomington when we just arrived uh, for the, the bluebird event, who uh, was the first person I encountered in real life who said, Hey, I listen to the podcast. I love it. And, and I was, in somewhat in disbelief one, how did you recognize me? It's a podcast. And then I remembered the Twitter videos, but in everybody who's been kind enough to say that since, and there was an overwhelming number in Vegas, like I, it, it never gets old. Like it's so meaningful that any, cause I have podcasts I love and I listen to, and I know what a big part of my life they are, how important they are, how much I appreciate the people who do them. And, uh, I can't think of of you and me like that. I can think of all our guests like that. Like, wow, thank you so much for sharing your time with us. But that folks will, you know, hey, this is my commute every day. Um, that that please never stop saying that because it really does. You and I are sitting here talking to each other, right? Like this is this is what we do and we've done it for a long time. But to know that there are actually people on the other end in the real world who enjoy it and get something from it. It is what it is all about. Like, I would have gotten tired of doing this with you a long time ago if it hadn't the been. saving for grace, people. for yeah. sure. So around 2 o'clock, we get up,
1: we talk to wait, the fans. Wait,
0: wait, wait. One more momentous occasion. Because I was on time. But I was, I was hurting my family. And so as we were walking into the MGM, about to turn the corner to, to meet up with all of Hoosier Nation that was there already, there was Jeff Rabjohns. <laughs> and for me to be able to introduce my son and, and Annie, my wife to Rabbi, whose name they've heard thousands of times over the years for Rabbi to get to meet them, these people are, you know, rabbi has been so important to yeah. everything we've done here. And he's such a great friend and a great human being. And we've talked about my, my son, we've talked about my wife and, you know, and his family and for them to be able to meet along with everybody else they were going to go interact with. It's, it's, it, it meant a lot to me not not being able to bring my family back to Bloomington and be a part of this yet, and they will, for them to be included in this weekend at long last was incredible.
1: I totally get it. It was always fun to see Ravi, and he, like you said, he's such a big part of it. So around 2 o'clock, we get up and we talk to the fans that are there because we're trying to figure out how are we going to rally around the team. And so we just figured, we tried to find out what the route was. The route changed. And now the route was going to be that they were simply going to leave their hotel, come down the elevator shaft, go through this little hallway that heads out to the main hallway of the of the hotel, and then make a left and go through the lobby to the bus that was really just going to take them around the block to the building that was attached to the casino. They decided not to walk through the casino. So we start walking, and I have a video that you can look at online. It's on Twitter. The group that is coming with us, it's just growing and growing and growing.
0: It's like Rocky well, and even running be- the streets of Philadelphia. Even before that, when we stood up in the bar nice. and said, hey, guys, this is what we're doing, because we knew we were in this whole bar full of Hoosiers, but then to stand up just like three feet and look over it, you're like, this is a sea of us. This is crazy. And the sea kept growing.
1: And we got to the lobby and just, all right, let's form two lines. Let's form two lines and let's create a tunnel. And security starts to see what's happening and they start freaking out. They don't, and they come up to me and they're like, what's going on here? What are you doing? I'm like, uh, I I have no official capacity to do anything. (laughs) We're just really excited for the game. What can we do to make it okay? He's like, everybody's got to stay here. If they they come out of line, I'm shutting this whole thing down. Then two tunnels form. And we have to, like, combine them. It's a whole
0: mess. I'm running, like, because people had the primo right on the edge on the one side of the line. So I had to go down that line being like, hey, I'm sorry, they're moving the line over there. But if you run around to the opposite side, you can still get a good standing position.
1: We formed walls of people, like, ten rows deep from the elevator line to the outside. It extended outside to the bus. Uh, Ward, I don't know how many people were there, but if you told me it was less than 2,000, I wouldn't believe it. I mean, it—it yeah. it was, it was an incredible amount of people, and we're all waiting for the team to come out so we can cheer them, and waiting for the flood of Hoosiers to come out from the coaching staff and Tim Garl and Dr. Ring, and instead it's a drip, 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 drip <laughs> faucet, one you- at a time, that is making me go crazy
0: which is occasionally uh, punctuated by just a couple people leaving the hotel the, the path of least resistance. Cowboys are leaving the hotel. At one point I hear a shit ton of booing. It's a guy in a Kentucky Jersey, just (laughs) loving walking down the aisle, which was hilarious. But, but then in this drip, like I know that you've, you know, you've gotten some footage to put out there and I'm like, Hey, you know, let me let me get a shot of like running down like through the whole tunnel so people can see how long and massive this is. But as I get to the bend where it's like this is where you turn going from the elevators to go through the lobby, when I get there, who's coming out the elevators? Trace Jackson Davis. I'm like, "Oh, Perfect timing. So I get the shot, he's coming right at the camera. And then as he turns, I do this great pan with him. Beautiful. And then and then I start walking behind him. I'm like, this is some Spielberg shit. I start to do like a, a, a steady cam raise up over the top of Trace. So now we're over the shoulder and you can see the sea of people spread before him. The Red Sea is parted. Here we go, I'm gonna take this all the way through the lobby. Oh no, two powerful hands grab me by the shoulders. <laughs> and toss me like a rag doll into one side of the line. And, and as I'm tumbling in, I, like, it's just a human reaction. Like somebody assaults you, you push back. So I forearm shivy this arm off of me. And that's when I realized, well, that's a security guard. And while he thought he just tossed the garbage out and was going to still keep going, when he felt my, my forearm shiver, he came back and kind of got up in my face and one, any professional security guard, would destroy me in any kind of confrontation. So there's that. But two, I realized I can give this guy some lip or I could go to the basketball game later.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So, I mean, each one came out, and I will tell you, the players, the coaches, the staff of Indiana were blown away by what was happening outside of the elevator shaft through the lobby. And the social media team that was there with their good camera, they were getting great footage and they all were saying, we just got the best recruiting footage you could ever have. Hell yeah. seeing this. This is what Indiana is. And you and I kind of running up and down the line, high-fiving people. I do want to say this though. Mm. There was an asshole in the line. Oh yeah? Yeah. It sticks in my craw a little bit and I'm not going to focus on it that much. But we're walking up and down the line and I'm high-fiving everybody and everybody is so happy and there's so much great energy and I'm coming down the line and this guy who's got his hand up like puts his hand down when I get there. And I'm like, well, I just stopped. I go, what, what's that about? What are you, what are you doing? He, and he goes, he goes, who the fuck are you? Valid, <laughs> valid question. Fine. I'm like, well, I'm just, I'm just an Indiana fan. I'm like, I'm just an Indiana fan trying to get people hyped up. He's like, I don't give a shit. I'm like, and he's wearing like a candy-striped jacket. I'm like, what what a dick. What a (laughs) dick. But anyway, 99.9999% of everybody else was so incredibly enthusiastic and kind to us and gracious. And I just was overwhelmed by that emotion. The team ultimately all gets through it. They loved it. They were blown away by it. Well, but, and I mean, you one interesting see- thing is, did you know there was a leak in the roof? No. Right as the team came out, they come out through their elevators. There's like an area at the base of the elevators and then a small hallway with an overpass. Yeah. There was a giant leak and water was pouring out. So Woody got drenched with water <laughs> as he walked out. It was awful. Well, I was terrified that they were going. I was terrified two things were going to happen. They were going to slip on the water and hurt themselves or our ridiculous, illegal, non-security approved line was going to trip them. And we were going to have everybody in a boot like Trace was going to tear an Achilles before he got (laughs) to the game because of us. I was
0: terrified. I thought it was fun to see how the different players reacted. Somebody else had commented on this, that X, Miller, uh, these guys, obviously, I didn't really see Trace because I was being uh, physically assaulted, oh, so. but, like, locked and loaded, business trip, all business, eyes on the prize, but, like... Malik and Jalen were coming through together and like Malik was like, Oh man, this is cool. Like, 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 I mean, you know, you're coming from Montverde. They probably traveled with like 50 people total, maybe even to a national championship and here to just see a whole sea of people, thousands of miles from where you go to school. This is how much we love you guys. This is how much we love this program. And, and that whole experience solidified to me that this program after of 20 years of more bad seasons than good, way more disappointing seasons than happy ones, for us to show up like that with that kind of spirit and love and enthusiasm is like, we are the number one fan base in the country.
2: I
1: agree, and I just want to thank everybody for everything. I mean, I just want to thank everybody for how they treated us, how they treated your family, how they... How gracious everyone how was. they
0: treated the Cowboys. Because the Cowboys could have been like that. What an obnoxious because they're there every year for like yeah. two weeks a year. It's kind of their thing. But that I think they just were won over by us being like happy, good people.
1: Yeah, it was an incredible experience and it just set the stage, all that excitement and all that enthusiasm to go over that arena and we all walked over to the arena together and just destroy Arizona. That's what it was set up for, for the storybook (laughs) ending.
0: Here comes a guest. Here comes a guest.
1: We can't talk about Indiana basketball in a game this big without bringing in a major guest, a guy who played in games like this throughout his entire career, won big games like the one we saw on the weekend, former Big Ten player of the year, played in the NBA, one of the all-time greats, and are just good friend, that's right, we're going to call him good friend, and one of our favorite guests of all time, Brian Evans. All right, before we get started, I do want to say this. When I texted Brian to say, we want to get you on, can we get you on now? He said, quote, let's go. My window is small, but I'm feeling aggressive today.
0: So let's get into it, man. What are you? What, what are you doing? feeling aggressive about, Brian Evans?
2: Um, Just in general ward. Um, hey, let's, hey, three's a crowd. Let's keep. You know, I want to. I I don't want to I'd be the third fiddle today. So after after filling in for him, I'm gonna be honest with you. That felt good. Um,
0: well, the numbers I tanked. I just want you to today,
2: more of a listener. You could like you know chicken scratch your questions to Eric. Let him ask him. <laughs> and let's keep the dialogue just let's keep it at a minimum here what's up with the what's up with the hat
1: do you think just looking
2: at me in this hat
1: like do you think you know what eric could be a good cowboy
2: next question
0: yep good all right well i think i think so far you and i agree on everything that's been discussed today brian um, maybe that'll veer. Maybe that maybe we'll veer apart when it comes to talking about our beloved Indiana Hoosiers. Um, uh, what, what is the the best thing that Indiana basketball did playing the Arizona Wildcats? What's the, your favorite thing about how we played?
2: Um, <laughs> we, we didn't, um, we didn't, you know, bag it. You know, it, it that had a chance to be ugly, ugly, ugly. And I think when I was watching the game, I was, I was questioning how good Arizona was. I didn't, you know, I didn't have any reason to think they were so good. These are names I didn't know, and you know, they, they've, they've done more of a reboot than we have. We've got, I think, part of what the frustration is is we've got the veteran talent or the veteran players and they've got a lot of young guys and foreign guys and names I had never heard of. So I really wanted to believe that we, you know, that matters, you know, having some veteran guys matter. Um, It didn't seem like it did, Um, but okay. We, it was so ugly there for a minute. I had a lot of friends out there. I was worried about them sitting in Vegas, you know, and us losing by 35. So Arizona wasn't so good that they just dusted us. They didn't step on our throat. We kind of fought our way back in. So I suppose the best part of the game was that we didn't, we didn't quit.
1: All right. Well, I I agree with you. I mean, being there, it going down by 17 in that first half, it just felt like, oh my God, we are not even close to this team and it's over, but we didn't give up. We cut the lead to three at one point. We cut the lead. You know, then it went back up to 10 and cut it to five. And we, we had our chances for sure. But let's just talk about the elephant in the room, which is Trace. Um, one of his worst games is an Indiana Hoosier in in a, in a big game. And we've seen this story before, right? We've seen it for a lot in three and a half years. We thought that maybe we were moving beyond it, especially after the Big Ten tournament last year when against Hunter Dickinson in the second half, he owned him and really played well and then went toe-to-toe with Kofi. I wouldn't say he dominated Kofi, but he, he went toe-to-toe with Kofi in that game and we pulled that game out. Kofi had a big game. Trace had a big game. But then the Rutgers game this year, he looked awful and, and looked like we got out-toughed okay, Rutgers is a tough team. It was a road game. We go to play in Vegas, which I don't care what anybody says. That was a home game for Indiana. The way that arena felt was Three to a one. home environment Three for to Indiana. one. It was incredible. And I would argue even a more raucous home crowd than most of the home crowds at Assembly Hall where they just like – they know what it's like. They get comfortable. Nobody was comfortable at Vegas. We were excited to be there. A lot of enthusiasm. And Trace laid an egg. What, Brian what did you see what what is the real trace
2: you know he to me he looked uh just lethargic from the beginning like he you know he he's been really active and you know, he he's looked more athletic uh, so far this year and he, he's looked uh energized and like he's the captain and the leader of the team and like he's got a responsibility above just playing good is what i've seen um take out the Rutgers game and and this last game, he didn't really look like that in either game to me. It's a, it's a, I mean, it's reason to be concerned. I mean, he just didn't look the same, you know, I'm not suggesting he was out partying all night, but that's how he looked. His legs looked heavy to me. Um, he looked a little bit unenthusiastic and almost like shell shocked. Um, at least from my TV at home, you know, I didn't know anything about those guys and I, and I looked at, you know, young lengths and that's always been his problem is playing against lengths. But those guys look so young. The one guy had like an eleven year old face, you know, that the big guy yeah. who was seven one or whatever he was, but he looked like a kid. And I thought, okay, Trace is gonna just take him apart, you know, get take him off the dribble. Um, just 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 vet basically take him as a vet and own him. And man, it could not have been any more different than that. They were just throwing it over the top of him and basically calling him small and just taking it right at him. You got to give Tommy Lloyd credit. I mean, they made it, they made a decision to go at him and he was on his heels the whole night. It just did not look good at all. And then, you know, icing on the cake was his one missed jumper. Yes. And then there was one time in the second half, he was handling the ball at the right elbow and he was inside the elbow and the defender was way off of him and he's, he's looking for a dribble handoff, and, and he, did, he wouldn't even look up at a 14-footer. And, you know, I've been rooting. You know this, man. I'm rooting for him, and I, I know he's a good kid. I know he is. I know he's got a nice family. I know he's been raised right. All of these things. You know, all these stories of him adding to his game over the summer. I mean, he did not look up at a 15-foot jump shot, and he probably could have got a 12-foot jumper and want to know part of it. And I felt bad for him, to be real honest with you. I, I was texting back and forth with uh, uh, Ryan Carr, who's the director of scouting for the Pacers, and 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 we love the Hoosiers, man. And we and we love Trace. We want to love Trace. Um, that's nailing the coffin stuff, man. I mean, mm. it, it just is. You can't do
1: that. I mean, there... is it is it Brian? Like I, I was curious your opinion here. It's a big game. It was on national TV. It was against a big program. We had never played them before. Arizona's got a, a great reputation. Do NBA guys look at that game and go, geez, I mean, this guy, Trace, I mean, you wouldn't rank him in the top five prospects of being NBA guys based on that game on that court. Oh, um, is that gonna the, hurt
2: him? Um, well, it has to. I mean, I you know, again, I I want I'm rooting for him. I want him to be good. That was a really bad showing. Because here's the, the you know, you guys know the way the NBA's changed. I mean, we're gonna love him because he's a Hoosier. And when he's done, we're still going to love and celebrate his career. I am. I. He's done enough good. But this is not a pro prospect. He's just not. And, the, and part of it is the game's changed so much. Zach Eadie's not a draft pick. Zach Eadie's going to come back for a senior year. Book it. Just trust me. The, the NBA game has changed so much. But when they've got an, you know younger guys at Arizona that are not NBA's prospects, that are taking him to school... And he's a fourth-year senior, so now he can't even defend the very few big guys that are in the NBA. That was a bad, bad showing. And and number one, you got to be able to make shots in the NBA. You got to be a big guy that can make shots. And he won't look at the rim. His and and what what happens to him against length and athleticism? He looks less athletic. Right. So. Yeah, it's just, it was bad, man. It was bad. And I, and I, and it was not, a, it was, I was feeling bad for him because he gets exposed and he got exposed in the worst way.
0: It, it seems the mental aspect is such a component because during warm, ups of that game, he was, he was tossing in three pointers, effortlessly putting in three pointers during warm ups. Really? Oh yeah. 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 And we've seen it in practice, Brian. It looks good. It looks really good. And then to your earlier point about heavy legs, you know, Rabbi was down there on the court and we were talking afterwards and he was like, he just didn't seem to have that, that quick bounce or that, or that second bounce. And, you know, I think that is like, okay, is there reason to be concerned about something physically going on, but then on the mental side of it at this point in his career, in his life, is there somebody or something he can do to have the confidence and gameplay to hit a 14-footer when 20 minutes earlier he was hitting more than half of his three-pointers he was taking by the bucket load?
2: You know, my opinion is um, the ship has sailed on that. Like, you know, there was a lot of, we call them summertime All-Americans, where when, like, half the lights are on in assembly hall, guys that could play out of their mind, and there's a big difference between when all the lights come on and Bob Knight walks in, that's a, that's a different thing. And, you know, making him in practice, you know, he's never come close to making a jumper, let alone a three-pointer. So I don't know what the problem is. I'm not a head doctor. But um, to, to me, he's, he's a uh, – I think he has a chance to be a, a decent, you know, middle-tier European player at this point in time. I, I, I do not think he has a chance to be a G League two-way player. I just don't. I think he's a I, I, European player, which he could carve out a great living over there. I think he could. And I think his, his best bet is to try to uh, be a tight end in the NFL. He's got an NFL body. He's got great hands. I'm not joking. I think he could play at that. I mean, he's, he's built like that. He's got the long torso, really, really strong legs. You think he, he reminds me go of to Tony enough? McKee, a guy I played with in high school. I'm serious. I, I think he's got a better chance of doing that. I just, I just do.
1: do you, um, the, the beginning of that game, he had like a 10-footer, right, that he took and missed. And it looked like he didn't want to take it, and it barely grazed the front of the rim. Arizona was begging him to shoot that shot, right? Shoot it. And it was open all game. Do you put any of the blame on the coaching staff to just be like, Trace, either shoot that 10-foot shot, shot which is going to open things up everywhere, or you're going to sit. Like, I was shocked that all we kept doing was backing down a guy who was 50 pounds heavier than him, longer than him, bigger than him, with no chance of getting to the rim. Race Thompson was doing the same thing. Now, granted, Race stepped out and hit a bunch of threes, and if he doesn't hit those, we're not even in that game. But trace did nothing different throughout the course of that game don't do you put that on the coaches too
2: I you know I don't know not so fast I, I, don't, I don't know I, it, I, you got to be closer to the action I think to, to understand what they've told him or to, you know preach to him I don't I don't know what they've told him my guess is that he can't make the shot so they're not telling him to take it. Like if they thought he could make it, they'd be going, listen, dude, you're either going to take it or we're going to take you out of the game. We know you can make it. I don't get the feeling that they think he can make it is my take.
0: Yeah. I think that's fair. I think that's fair. So to, to move on from trace, I'd say the other elephant in the room is we were without the guy on the team who could very well be a first round draft pick this coming uh, NBA draft and Jalen hood, Shafino, you don't like to, to lay a loss uh, at the, the um, absence of a player like that, but how does he maybe change how that game goes and how big of a difference could he be if we meet that team? Oh, say in March.
2: Well, I'm not, I mean, he's got a long way to go to be a first round guy. Um, totally has the skill set to do it. I mean, I'm, a, I'm totally impressed with what he brings to the table. And as we've missed him now, um, I've, I, I've grown to like him more. I, he's a great compliment to, to Xavier because he can do all the things Xavier can't do, which is just he brings a calm. Xavier yes. is not calm. He, he's got the ball on a leash, a short leash. Xavier does not. The ball always seems like it's like ready to get poked away or he, he fumbles it away. There's something about him I really like that he he's got he obviously has a the basketball IQ but he's also got a composure ingredient that I I haven't seen in a long long time I, I can't say the last time I saw somebody that I trusted with the ball um, and he's just playing for you know the first time I'm really impressed with him um, I, it's hard to project you know how that game would be different I mean you want him to play and he didn't play um,
0: well, I'm not. Your point what are of the, the odds
2: of it there being a matchup? I'm not thinking about Arizona anymore. We lost to them. Whether we play them again or not, you know that that guy is a solid player. I, I hope he's playing against Kansas. I don't. I mean, Arizona's done. Hopefully, he doesn't have a real back problem and he can come back.
0: I, I mean, I I, I just ahead. in terms of your point about the composure, like we kind of freaked out, and that's why we got down by 17. And even seeing the way he took control of the situation against North Carolina, turns out they're real bad, but just the atmosphere in assembly hall and what it was like in Vegas to have a guy that young with that much poise, just be able to like, dude, settle down and let me tell you where you need to be right now. So we can execute what we talked about doing the scout. So
2: his po- you, perfect word, I think the word is poise. I think that that is the word for him. And you know, he's not – he doesn't look like he's getting out of sorts if they, they double-team him or he's trying to bring it up against pressure at the end of the game. He, he really does have poise. What I'm most impressed with him, maker – I don't care if maker missed the shot, is he gets to exactly – Eric and I talked about this last time I was on. He gets to exactly where he wants to go, and he elevates and he takes the exact shot that he wants to take. Make or miss, he's going to make him. The shot looks good. He is going to be a pro. He's already shown that. If he's 6'5 or 6'6, six, six, which is what they're saying he is, that guy is real, and we need him in the worst way. It's not – Trace doesn't have the leadership. Trace doesn't have – he's too – maybe he's too nice. I don't, I don't know. He's maybe too nice. I know he can't play against length. Uh, he's proven that over and over and over. You know, I'm rooting for him. I don't want to come off like I'm tearing him down. We want him to be great. Uh, that's, his, that's his thing, man. He, he struggles against long, athletic guys. He always has. Yeah. Uh, we, You know, I wouldn't cross my fingers that he, kinda, he came back to, you know, season four with a, you know, reinvented game. But he's exactly the same. I, I, I tell you what, I was more frustrated in the, the Rutgers game when he caught it in the post or kind of the extended post and he held it in his left hand and looked over his shoulder, like, you know, is the double team coming. Mm. He ain't that guy. Like that's Barkley. There's very few guys that could play that move. Mm. Trace needs to go. His, his best bet is to go fast. Yes. To spin baseline, Get to the rim. You can't shoot. You can't really pass out of the double team all that well. He, the thing that he has is quickness and explosiveness he needs to make his move if i'm on that staff i'm going listen dude i don't care what the defense is doing make your move fast and if you if they stop your move kick it out don't hold it and look you ain't that guy right i I have a question on the other side of the
1: ball because the thing that if you look at stats and, and it's hard to, to say the stats lie, but last year, Indiana was a really good defensive team, number one ranked defensive team in the conference, right? And so far this year, our defensive numbers have been pretty good. Now, we've played a lot of bad teams, okay? And, and the two good teams that we supposedly played, Xavier isn't there yet, and North Carolina sucks right now. But the defense in Vegas was atrocious. I mean, we couldn't stop them at all. We couldn't stop pick and roll, we couldn't stop their post game, we couldn't stop their, their ball movement and their rotation and their um, swinging the ball to the other side and hitting threes, we could do nothing defensively, and that's supposed to be our calling card, and I'm wondering, is it really our calling card? Or are we just good at defense because we play in a league that has offensive liabilities from top to bottom? And when we play against the St. Mary's in the tournament last year, they roll us. When we play Arizona, they roll us from an offensive standpoint. What do you see defensively on this team? And am I overreacting?
2: Well, here comes the, my aggression. I, it's coming. I knew it was coming. I told you it was coming. I called it in advance. It's,
1: you you called your shot.
2: My My <laughs> – my problem with our defense uh, that I get sideways with was the, the presser after the North Carolina game. I don't give a shit that these guys are playing some little corny game and coming up with, you know, uh, word choices. I'm embarrassed by them doing that. If I'm on the coaching staff, shame on them. Cut the shit. Cut that crap out. Anaconda. You, you know what? North Carolina sucks, Okay. And you went and just got a ton of points thrown on you. I'm disgusted by that. I, You know, be humble. Go play basketball. Be a good defensive team. You haven't proven anything. And we didn't do that. And I, be- and I also believe basketball guys are real. And they're going to come back and bite your ass if you're going to go to a press conference and talk that kind of mess. You know, I remember, you know, not wanting to go to a press conference going, I'm getting enough attention. And I know the guy, the boss man that's watching this thing is going to dissect every word I say. I'd rather just go to Kilroy's or go home. (laughs) I don't want to go to a press conference and be on the hook to, you know, to answer questions. You want to talk about going to a press conference, just sitting there and saying nothing. Hey, we play Tuesday. Yeah, we won tonight. It was a great win. We play Tuesday. These guys have not learned that. They live in the age of social media. They're hyping themselves up and. That's a you know what? They're not. Take. They're not. They're not a very good defensive team. They gave up a ton of points. Arizona did whatever they wanted, and they did it on our veteran guys. They were throwing it down in, and just Trace and Race got murdered. Murdered. And murdered. It with, with and they were defenseless. Um,
1: so wait, I want I to push. I, I, it's interesting your take on the on the press conference stuff because I I had not thought of it from that perspective. I was looking at it more from a these guys are loose right now. They're, it's something they're doing as a team, you know, it's player led obviously, but they're just, they're having a little fun um, at the media's expense, truthfully, but it's just, and I kind of saw it as like, all right, well, this is a close knit group that's doing this together. I'm okay with it. But to your point about like, they have not proven anything to be able to do that. Or do you see the other side of it at all? That it's just, these are meaningless press conferences and these dudes are just having fun.
2: Um, but I mean, again, I'm a dinosaur. I don't, maybe I, you know, it's, it's a long, long, but what I do know is that it's a long, long season. And if you want to provide bullet, you know, bulletin board material for other people, you know, history says that doesn't work very well. You know, when you want to talk smack you know, people are going to use that against you. I'm sure they're probably doing it for fun and games. I just, I don't like it. And if I was the coaching staff, I would say, I'd be smearing it, you know, rubbing their nose in it a little bit, I think, because they they got whatever they wanted against us. Um, it was just a it was just a disappointing game.
0: yeah, it was let's let's talk about the other players that did play that game. and even say, in the Nebraska game, um, we're starting to see some shooting here. The sample size is getting big enough. And there are several guys contributing to it. I don't think any of us are banking on Race Thompson hitting four three-pointers again in his Indiana career in one game. But when you look at whether it be Scoop or Miller or, or Race, at least keeping a defense honest, Trey, my biggest apprehension, and I'd say maybe still, is that is this team going... To, they're not going to be a great shooting team, but are they getting good enough... To compete at the top of the Big Ten.
2: Well, I, you know, you know, I want to say yes. I, I, I'm not there, man. I, I just, I'm not. I, I think we're a very poor shooting team. Um, very poor shooting team. Uh, and I, here's how I, here's how I judge it. When you know Trey Galloway, I, nobody's rooting harder for him to make a jumper than me. And we made a couple of jumpers. I was excited. But when he goes to shoot a shot, I don't think it's going in. And when Fletcher Lawyer goes to shoot a shot, I think it's going in. And that's the difference between a shooter and a non-shooter to me, is when I le- I watch him let the ball go, I think, now you left him open, it's over. And I don't. we don't have anybody that when you leave no. him open a little bit that I think it's in.
1: What about but okay, I'm gonna push back a little because I actually think every time Miller Cop shoots the ball this season, it looks like it's going in. I mean, the guy's shooting fifty percent from three. He's shooting about five a game, you know. Um, and I think Tamar is not there yet, but Tamar's playing with tremendous confidence right now, and he's making shots.
0: Tamar's at forty one percent.
1: Like um on the arc. And Miller's at, I think, 49.8% or something
0: like that. Yep. Um, um, and then you got um, – You don't
1: get that sense from Miller, at least, on him this year?
2: Um, I'm scarred. I, I, no, admittedly, I have scar tissue from watching him miss so many open shots. This is not a guy that's running off screens, barely getting open, and, and you know, like Steve Alford, just, just, just squeezing in a shot. This dude is lining shots up. To shoot his percentage, I'm not saying he's shooting a bad percentage. No, but that's
1: a really good point. That's a really good point. We don't these are have wide, that guy. We don't no, have that guy.
2: These are wide open threes, and um, and he's gotten a lot of them. And, and he he hadn't shot poorly. Um, he had. I mean, let's. We got to be honest though. That Rutgers game changes his percentages, and we were not in the game, and we were not going to win the game. I my fear too in this last game is that. And and the people I was watching with, and and I was on mute most of the time. You know, I wasn't totally on mute, but people were saying, people I was watching with were saying, we make shots when it's we're down 19. Like, Mm. no one's making shots when it was close. When we cut it to three, nobody can make a shot. When we're down five, nobody can make a shot. We're down 19, we can make three in a row. That's no knock on Tamar Bates. I want these guys to make shots. I'm just telling you, when I watched – Arizona, I saw big and bully. I mean, throwing it inside, pounding us. And when I watched Purdue, let me let me back up. I watched the um, Houston Arkansas game, and I saw length and athleticism. And you know, kind of
1: was it Arkansas or Alabama?
2: I'm sorry, Alabama. Sorry, yeah, Alabama Houston. And it's pretty raw basketball. I mean, these guys length for days, athleticism for days, pretty sloppy, lots of fouling, not a lot of great shooting. But playing really, really hard, right? You see that brand of basketball, and then I see Purdue play pretty methodical. We're going to get it inside. We're going to bang it inside, and when he kicks it out, we got guys that are going to make shots, and we're going to get the big guy the ball. And after I watch those two different styles, I, I, I watch us and I go, "What style are we? I don't That's, know. Uh, I, don't know. I don't know. We don't have the we don't have the athletes defensively or offensively. We do not have the athletes." And we do not have the shooters.
1: I think that's a really good point. And watching that Arizona game, I would watch like their guards on the pick and roll and they would come off and hit these shots, you know, coming off the dribble or they would run action where a guy's coming off a pick. You are right. Miller cop does not come off picks to hit three pointers. Miller cop gets three pointers on trace, kicking it out from the post offensive rebounds, you know, that come transition or transition. Right. But we do not run actions to free guys up within the half court. That I, I, Ward and I have talked about this. I think our offense overall is so rudimentary. It's just high pick and roll, hope you can alley oop it to Trace or get to the bucket or kick out, or it's get the ball to Trace and hope he kicks it out or makes a shot. And then it's transition. There's not a lot of action. What are you doing? You asking for a drink? What are you asking for?
2: Yeah. You need a, <laughs> and refill? Uh, you need
1: a refill from this conversation?
2: Yeah. yeah. And the and I I agree with you and I'll double down and say, the, the only thing worse than that is when we come down in a three out two in, and we're looking to throw it to Trace in the post and pretend that he's Barkley or Elijah right? He ain't. And, mm-hmm. and when we do that, I, I get so frustrated going, guys, you know, and, and I've, I'm so fearful we're going to get in the Big Ten where we're the scouting is better, the you know there's big bodies, everyone has length. And it's like, is that what we're gonna do? We're gonna come down and go all we gotta do is throw it to Barkley. Barkley, that ain't him. And he doesn't Barkley could shoot, Barkley could go by people. That's not what he is. And I'm worried that we think that three out, two in is is a go-to. It's not, it's not. He's gonna hold the ball occasionally, he's gonna spin on somebody and get a dunk baseline. Great. It's not an offense. And I'm worried about the movement of our offense and freeing guys up through screening, listen, it, you know, I don't care the newbies that are watching that don't know me from Adam, that don't understand motion offense. Mike Woodson understands motion offense. And it's a way to get your best shooters free. And we don't do it. If if Trace – here's what's going to happen. We're going to kick it into him. They're going to have length in the post, whether it's Edie or, you know, you could go through the Big Ten and go – Guys are going to play him way more straight up than Merrimack and Lehigh do. I mean, they're going to double him. And these guys are going to play him straight up. And what's going to happen? Either he's going to make a quick move or he's – the first couple possessions, he's going to look for the double and go, oh, it ain't coming. Now what are we going to do? And I'm worried about that.
1: Well, but Rutgers, I mean, they double and triple-teed him and we couldn't do anything. I mean, they they the first did couple double times him.
2: Did it, Yeah, the first couple of times they did it he held it in his left hand and once it got poked away and then, you know, you, you remember he was on the left block kind of extended block. It's not, it's not his thing. It's just not his thing. And then he gets this triple double, which I think made him think that he is a facilitator of offense guys. He is not a facilitator of offense. That was an anomaly and you know, great. He had, he had a triple double, but I mean, I don't want him to facilitate offense. I don't know about you. I don't want him thinking he can carve up the defense and pick people apart and throw passes. I don't think he can.
1: Um, I do want to talk about that triple-double real quick because you were not a fan. You were not a fan that they put him in the game and then hunted for those final two assists to get him the triple-double. Because I would argue before those last two, he got his stats from playing in the flow of the game. Um, And then they hunted for those last two. You did not like that. What does it hurt, Brian? I mean, the game was over. Get the kid the triple-double. I mean, what? not it it just fine?
2: I don't, you know, don't out me from our personal text thread. I I don't care that much. (laughs) I don't care that much. I mean, it's it's fine. You know, it's uh, the fact that there's only been three um, I, I would agree with you. The fact that there's only been three um, in program history, you know, why not? Right. And um, so I, I, it's not like I was sideways over it. It's I'm not a fan of it. It's like when, um, I don't know if you saw the highlight when Zion got a, like a 360 yes. at yeah. the end of the game, yes. Phoenix is mad. And, and I, and you know what, I'm kind of indifferent like I am to that. Okay. All right. Uh Oh, Uh oh. you and... got a text
0: Thank you, Brian Evans. What a wonderful guest. Oh, he's back. He's back.
2: Um, so, I, I, you know, same thing. I thought on that. I was like, you know what? Who cares? You know, Phoenix should be pissed that they gave up 130 first 134 points. Not that bucket. It's kind of the same thing. I, but I also think it's a little bit insulting to the other team. And, like, why are we trying to help them do this? If you can't do it in the flow of the game. I'm, I'm, I'm a little bit torn. I don't care that much. He gets it. He can be an elite status with, you know, uh, Steve Downing and 10, 10, and 10 by uh what whatever his name was. Juan
1: Morgan. Juwan. Don't compares. don't shit on Juwan. I love Juwan.
2: I, I'm not against him. It's like 10, 10, and 10, I mean, fine, whatever. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, but um, if I could sense a trend from you, because I do think there is something here too add that triple-double, going for that triple-double, add that to the press conference hijinks. And it's just indicative of a team that maybe... Like, I could almost see that being like, when Cheney did his stuff when you guys were there with Knight and the whipping of the towel, you know, at the end of the game, and, like, you guys had accomplished some stuff. Cheney was the best player in the country. Like, that team was so good... They earned the right to do that kind of stuff in public. This team has not earned anything yet. I have been uh, adopting the mode of like, they're just having fun. That's great. They're loose. They need to be loose, but they have not accomplished anything yet. We're what eight and two this year and have beaten a bad North Carolina team and a rebuilding Xavier team. So I do, I can see that, but that seems to be what irks you the most that like they're doing this stuff that teams that have accomplished something do. And we haven't been, we're not there yet.
2: Yeah. But probably some of that. I, I mean, I, I believe it's so. such a long season and they got to go to so many tough places. I mean, the big 10, you know, you, you go to Iowa, you go to Wisconsin, you're getting there. You know, we, I don't know if we get everyone's best shot. I know we used to get everyone's best shot. I think, we're still going to get a pretty good shot. You're still Indiana, and you got so many places to travel. I just, I, I'm just a big fan of keep your head down and just play, shut your mouth and play. And we don't want to do that. We want to, we just, we, we want to celebrate along the way. Again, part of it is times have changed. I'm not trying to pretend they should do what I say, but I can tell you what I think is that it's just a little too much. Just go play and shut up. You haven't. You, you you haven't done anything yet. Why would you I, I just think they're setting themselves up and those those places, they've all been on the road, man. It's hard. And you're gonna have injuries, you're gonna be missing people from time to time, you know, and, and missing Jalen is a big deal to this team, which I think is a man, that's that's a tough pill to swallow. It's like here's a kid and we need him really, really bad. I-
1: Yeah, I think that that is a great point. I think, Ward, you and I talked about that.
0: Well, it's because, look, everybody knew when Coach Woodson showed up, we needed a serious talent infusion to get back into the conversation with the best programs in the country. And it doesn't happen overnight. Retaining some of the better talent you've had, you have, helps kind of bridge the gap. But the fact of the matter is uh, our three highest recruits, two are freshmen and one's a sophomore you know, who's, who's really just finally getting to get some real run. And and then you've got trace. I guess my, my thought is to both of your points of they haven't accomplished anything yet and they're eight and two, uh, two wins against, well, what we thought were two good teams. Turns out North Carolina is just terrible. Um, what Brian, we know that all the coaching staff hangs on every word of this podcast. So yeah. this is your direct line to them what what do you think needs to happen between now and even, I can't even say March or April, can they put it all together? What do they need to put it all together? Like they need to start putting it all together now and start racking up Big Ten wins, particularly on the road. What, what would you say? Coach Evans, come in. You've got a practice to install a couple things, a, a philosophy, a mindset. What, what are you telling the team to do?
2: Well, they, they have to have Jalen Shafino number one. They've got to be, they've got to, I mean, this, this is just me. I, I would, I would pull race. I don't care that he made a few threes. I mean, he looks so bad in the paint. He couldn't get a shot off. He got it swatted three or four times. Yeah. I'm going to ask you guys, you watch me play. I'm one of the least athletic players that's ever played. That was, that de- yep. yep. was decent. I mean, I'm one of the least athletic, decent players of all time. And. I'm here to say, I think I'm a better athlete in my fifth year than Race in his sixth year or seventh year or whatever, eighth year, whatever year he's in. He can't move. He made a couple threes. He was so bad in the paint in that game and tried to shoot into traffic and, and to guys that were seven feet tall. Like it was almost like, are you, are you, did Vegas get a hold of you? Are you throwing the game? Like what are you doing? And that to me was disappointing. I think. Unfortunately, I think that this team is going to go as far as the freshman kid can take him. Um, he brings a different element. I, I don't know, man. You, you you brought up some interesting points. I don't – Ward, I don't have an answer for it. I'm, I'm At this point in time, I'm going, man, I was hoping we were – I mean, I'm, I'm bummed a little bit because I thought we should win. I, I have us fourth or fifth in the Big Ten behind Purdue for sure probably Ohio state, maybe Illinois. And then it's like us in Wisconsin or somebody else. And it makes Michigan. me, sick. Michigan, we should be better than that. Uh, I think from a personnel standpoint, we're number one. And mm. that's, you know, and you could point to who you, you know who to point to based on what I just said.
0: Who, uh who might you give some of those minutes to? Obviously he's having trouble staying on the court, but. Dude, you I, like I, to- yeah.
2: Buddy? You know, you got to play him. Yeah. He's, he, right now, he's got a little confidence problem. He's got the skill set. Um, you're playing him 15 minutes a game, 16 minutes a game. You're giving all the minutes to a ninth year senior who's not performing. I, I'm giving the minutes to the kid. I'm letting I, him. I agree. I, you know what? I'm I don't him understand. out there and I'm going to let him play. And I'm gonna, you know what? He doesn't know how to play right now. And he's fouling out. He's a deer in the headlights. But guess what? I'm starting him, I'm playing him. And and if I have to pull him because of two quick fouls, I'm putting in Race Thompson. That's that's what I'm doing if I'm coaching the team, period.
1: I, I agree with you, but I would, with one caveat, why take him out if he fouls? So what? Like, I mean, you're not playing him anyway. You're fouling him out when he gets two and three fouls. So just let him play. Like, I mean, if you're just, if you're going to put you. in race I'm, for him, play him.
2: I'm giving you, I'll give it to you. Give him three in the first half. Yeah. And save two for the second. And if he blows, if he fouls out at the 15-minute mark in the second half, you got a ninth-year veteran that can come in and play. Just do it. I mean, you got to let the kid play. You have
1: I, to. I totally, I totally agree. I do want to ask you: Have you heard what Geo Baker, the former Rutgers player, pretty good player for Rutgers, has been saying about Indiana? No. So he got it. He he said some stuff a couple weeks ago before Indiana turned out to be right. Yesterday. I think it was yesterday or the day before after the Arizona game said the same thing. He goes, look, and he's like, this is what every player in the big 10 knows. They're soft. Indiana is soft. And he said yesterday, ain't nobody getting punked by Indiana. Like (laughs) there is no fear there. There, there is the thought that Indiana is soft period. That's directly from a player's mouth who, by the way, punked us. I don't know how many times Geo Baker did five times maybe while he was there. Yeah. But, if that is the case, is there anything? I mean, isn't that just personnel then? Because I know you said you think we're number one personnel. I don't, I don't, know. I don't know, man. I, I don't know. Trace has a lot of good traits and a lot of talent on certain things, but when he's your best player and he can't take a 10 foot jump shot, I, I don't know.
2: Let me give a little more color to that. That's fair. I, you know, when you look at five star youth talent and the advantage that having a veteran. You know, all Big Ten players. I mean, so, you know, I I don't agree that he's amazing, but he's been all Big Ten. Every time we throw him the ball, the jackass announcers say, preseason All-American, first team preseason All-American. I mean, all the time. So I'm buying into that. So he's preseason, first team All-American. You don't just flop into that position. So he's there. So when you factor that in with some of the youth that we have, you know now, I'm, I'm, but I'm telling you, when I'm watching Alabama in Houston, I'm going, man, we don't have athletes. And then when I'm watching Purdue, and I go, mm, I worry about our IQ and our shooting. We don't look like those teams. We're some hybrid of something. That's and Miller Cobb, hey, look, he's shooting forty percent, and his he can stick in the three, and and I, you know, he's made a few. Great, I, I'm rooting for him. Doesn't look all that athletic. He kind of stays in front of people. I, You know, probably better than me in the day, but guess what? He ain't pretty. And I don't look at it and think, oh, he's a lockdown defender, and I don't think he's going to make every shot. Not that he's supposed to make every shot, but if he's such a good shooter that he has to be on the court, why aren't we running sets to get him open? That's back on the coaches. Like, if he's that good of a shooter, let's get him off. Let's get him 15 shots. I'm in. Let's see. If he can make eight out of 15, I'll – you know, I'll vote for him. Let's go. I'll be
0: 10. How many points will we beat Kansas by? Seven. <laughs> Heard it here first. Vegas is going to take note. We know what the spread is now. It's six and a half. I,
1: I want to say this, and I thought this the second he popped up today. Ward. And this is no bullshit. Don't you think Brian Evans looks incredibly handsome right now? He's
0: a good-looking guy. Those eyes are popping. He's got Dude, the hair game. The
1: hair, yep. the hair is is Ward-like. I would say it's Ward-like, the hair. You've got the Callaway vest. He moved uh-huh.
0: over to get the better lighting by the window, the yeah. soft, natural light. Yeah.
2: Thanks, boys. <laughs> hey, you know what? You know what, Ward? You took your hair down. You had that tall thing going for a while, like the big thing, like yep, Max Hendricks yeah, thing, and you took yeah. it down. I like your hair. I appreciate the compliments. I had a meeting downtown. I went with this like maybe I'm a golfer kind of look, a little quarter zip, a little vest, but I didn't I don't golf anymore. And um I did throw some gel in today. So thank you.
1: Wow. Yeah, it's looking good. And I just want to end by saying, howdy. <laughs>
2: <laughs> that was a guest.
1: That was a guest. People are gonna be upset, Ward, about the negativity and, and kind of the the glass half empty approach it's hard to take real exception. I I take it. It's like, I want to fight him on the Miller cop thing because the guy's shooting the ball at an elite level right now. Yeah. But he does not come off screens to shoot shots. That, that is no, we don't get shots that other teams that are really good teams get. Miller gets his shots from trace, kicking it out or transition, like you said, or Xavier driving the lane and kicking out. We don't run sets where guys are coming off screens. The only guy who does it even a little bit is Tamar. A little bit, but not Mm -hmm. a lot. Our offense, I don't like our offense. I I, I
0: don't like it. It's this thing of, in the NBA, you've got the most talented dudes in the world, but usually there's a couple more talented than everybody else out there, and you just figure out, how to let them take over the game the best you can. Yes. Um, and we need more structure than that. We don't have anybody who's so gifted or so dominant um, against a myriad of opponents, a variety of opponents, that that can work for us, not at this level. Um, I don't know really any college team, unless you have a Zion Williamson, can just, hey, let's just get him the ball and let him do it. Um, so I... This is where I think the rubber meets the road as far as what kind of coach is Coach Woodson right now. And I say that because last year, first year, you kind of have what's in the cupboards. um, And then now this is the guys you've had for a year and a half, the guys you've brought in. The guys you've let go. I don't think anybody's complaining about, about that. Um, but this is your team, and it's got experience. It's got comparable talent to the top teams in the Big Ten. So uh, here's where we're at at eight and two. And we got our ass kicked a couple times in the first 10, 10 games of the season. And let's see how this team can get better. And I think we all thought end of first season, big 10 tournament. It was a real turning point. And we saw coach Woody get these guys to really click right at the last second to make the end of last season uh, sort of, groundbreaking and that we got into the tournament, you know, and actually won a couple big 10 tournament games. It was like, wow, that is not something we've seen for a real long time, but, but now it's going to be a real close look at what he can do with the pieces he has because they're his and that they ain't bad. No, they're
1: not bad. They're flawed. They're flawed. And, and I agree with Brian. I love Rice Thompson. I love him. He's a good kid. I love his family he is struggling this year and I know he hit a bunch of threes, but he is right in the paint defensively and offensively against Arizona. I mean, he was a mess. He was an absolute mess. I'm glad he hit four threes, but like you said, he's not going to do that again. He's not oh, going to do that again. That and, that was that time. And um, I want to see Malik play more because I do think he's the future and has more skill and more touch and can do better things. He has to learn how to play at this level. And he has not learned that yet. And he's getting uh, a, a graduate degree lesson in it over these last several games, but he's got to play more.
0: Yeah, that's it. You can only learn so much in practice. You've got to be under, under the bright lights doing it. And inevitably like anybody else, he'll calm down. It'll slow down. He'll be fine. As long as he gets those minutes.
1: And I will say this about Arizona too. They were begging race they they obviously the game plan was just let them shoot. Make them shoot. Don't overcommit. Stay packed down low. If Malik comes in, let him shoot. He you know almost airballed a jumper. Let Race shoot. If he wants to shoot threes, let him shoot threes. Make Trey shoot a jumper. All three of those guys couldn't. I mean, I know race hit shots, but like that mid-range game, Malik looked terrified to shoot shots. And that could be because he hasn't gotten the minutes. And that was a real hostile, not hostile. It was a charged environment, charged environment. And he didn't look great in that environment. Trace looked terrible in that environment. But I do wonder, you know, when he, when Brian is talking about watching Alabama against Houston, we aren't that. We don't have that kind of top-to-bottom athleticism. And we don't run great stuff the way Purdue runs or even Michigan State or Wisconsin or Iowa. We don't run great stuff. We just kind of have, like, a little more talent than them but not enough as those other guys. We don't run enough good stuff that can overpower what? other teams that 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 figure us out. And I'm worried about the Big Ten scouting like Brian was. Those scouting and coaching is so good. Where can we overpower someone?
0: Well, and it's when Rutgers got us right out of the gate and, like, knew what was coming without much tape against real opponents, and now that tape's available for everybody else to look at along with Arizona. It's rough. And look, when you were all, and I think for good reason, very excited about the caliber of talent that is visiting our campus looking at 24 and 25 that that is exciting that's something we haven't seen we've got to land some of that and then that's still two three years down the road yeah. that if that's sort of the vision for where the program is of like truly top-end talent going you know all the way on to our bench awesome but But even to go ahead and get those guys to commit, you got to show what you can do with what you have. And we, we can't, our expectations were so high going into the season like, Big 10 favorite by virtually everybody nationally and locally, and a, a, you know, borderline top 10 team that if we fall much short of there, that makes it harder to get those guys to say yes. And it makes it harder for whatever like the ultimate four year plan is to take hold. Like the time to to put it all together is now.
1: It is absolutely now. And I just hate that we're so dependent on Jalen Hood Shafino because I do think when Jalen is not in the game, we we are exactly what we were last year, except Miller's shooting the ball a little better. And tomorrow's shooting the ball. Yeah, we're, we're,
0: I, we're overall, we are shooting it better. 36% yeah, as yeah. a team. 70% free throw, not great, but better. Um, but I, I think it's fair to say if you we took away... look the same, though, without Jalen. You know yes, what I mean? we look the same, yeah, like the action or lack thereof. But it, you take any team's arguably, you know, I'd say almost inarguably most talented player away... Um, and especially when that's like the point guard, the guy who's supposed to be controlling certainly the offense and, and leading on defense that, that, that is going to make any team look discernibly worse. So yeah, we, we do, we have like we, and, and yeah, it's like, Oh, he happens to be a freshman. Doesn't matter. Freshman, senior, you're missing your best player. You're not gonna, you're not going to look as good as you could, but it is kind of scary that the margin between us being, what we have been compared to what we could be rests on one young man's back.
1: And it's, again, why I just don't buy the depth argument. That we're so deep. We're so deep. No, we're not. We're as deep what? as Jalen hood Shafino can play.
0: Yeah, yeah. But, I mean, but as soon as he can play, then you have eight, nine guys who can really contribute. Do
1: you think so? You think you've got yeah. nine guys? Nine? Yeah. Oh, Look, I don't. I mean, no way. Jordan Geronimo is not an impactful player this year. He is not an impactful
0: player. Scoop, Malik, and Trey coming off the bench.
1: Yeah, I'll give you eight max, but I would argue that Trey and Malik are so inconsistent that you absolutely cannot count on them. That's but, not depth.
0: I mean, there's not very many teams in the country that have eight or nine dudes who can, like, really come in and be a consistent this, that, or the other for you. But it's like even Jordan in the tournament last year getting, like, 15, what, what I think you need is, like, two of those guys off the bench to really bring that on a given night. You figure out who they are. Uh, Maybe it's a matchup thing or they've got the hot hand, but when, when, you know, you have Jalen and X out there together, mm, peanut butter and jelly. It's beautiful. If one of them needs a breather, you know, X is probably still calmer overall, just because it's not all on him, even if it is for four or six minutes. Um, and, and even kind of dictating the flow of the game in those first few minutes, like with North Carolina, then that stuff's kind of established. And you're like, OK, here's where um, Scoop can come in and really like hunt some shots and do his thing. But it is. We've got a linchpin. And right now we're just hoping he's he- healthy for for Lawrence.
1: Yeah. And the Trey Galloway thing is interesting because obviously Trey had that huge game against Nebraska. I liken that game that Trey had against Nebraska to what race did against Arizona. I just don't have any faith that Trey Galloway is going to become a consistent outside shooter. And I I do have more faith in Tamar. I, I want to see Tamar get those minutes. I think Tamar's more of a dynamic player who can get his shot off. At different times, there are times where where Tamar looks really awkward, and like the shot almost looks like he's throwing it, like it, in the mid range, not the threes, but like the mid range. Sometimes it just looks like he's throwing it. Um, but it, I I don't see a cliff coming, like we did in previous years. I see lots of bumps in the road with this team because of the limitations, specifically of Trace and Race. I mean, the fact that race is so unathletic in there and, and just as bad in the paint right now. And the fact that trace has not added to his game when that is all we heard ward, all we heard all year, all off season was he practiced with NBA players. He's, he went to an NBA facility. He just shot, 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 shot. Woody said it. He said it. Everyone said it.
0: I, I, Maybe I didn't retain it because I didn't believe it, but I just I never entered this season thinking Trace was was going to be anything but a better version of what we've already seen, meaning those moves.
1: I did. I thought he was going to shoot 10 foot, 12 foot jump shots. I thought And we saw it at the end of the year. I
0: never believed that.
1: Remember in the Big Ten? Well, if I had not believed it, then the ceiling for this team I would have brought way down. Because I think against a Rutgers, against an Arizona, against a really well coached team that just says, let him come to you. Let him come to you. The way to beat that is you face up and you hit a couple 10 foot, 12 foot shots that brings him out a couple feet and then he uses his quickness. Yeah. If we can't do that, I think we are, be- we come- become a very easy team to defend. And, and uh, I, I still think we can be a very good team. I, I don't see how this team wins the Big 10. I
0: don't. No, not not at this point, but I guess that's even leaving that game where in the first half and they're just humiliating us. I'm like, wow, we we're we're not in the same league as this team. But then without Jalen, without Trace being effective, we scratch and claw our way into it and we're making shots from different parts of the court with different players, spreading it around and, and and finding a way to get there. That's why I still have hope that Jalen comes back healthy. Um, And I love that piece of advice. Brian Evans wanted to give trace is just go, just go. Don't wait, just go. That's something that they could be drilling him into him today. You know, and, and just that is something where it's like that's not we're not asking you to get outside of your comfort zone. Just do what you do better maybe than anybody else in the country, which is like as a big guy, get around quickly, move fast and get that shot up, which is hard for people to stop unless you give them a beat, a moment to collect themselves and maybe get some help.
1: Yeah, no, I, I totally agree with that. Um, so that was the game. That was the game part of Vegas, which was the worst part of Vegas, uh, was the actual game. The crowd was unbelievable. I mean, it was – I don't know how – like I wasn't around a bunch of people because of where my seats were. We were kind of like on the edge, so I wasn't surrounded like you were. Yeah. But it felt so loud. It felt like a home game. I mean, it felt like a charged home game to me.
0: It, it's. It did. It's so weird. It not being an assembly hall, it can never truly feel like a home game because that crowd and that roar and those acoustics are so unique. Um, But in terms of the pure numbers, you know, like we said, it was three to one, I think is a pretty – accurate read when you were just looking around it was like i was supposed to be sitting in an arizona section it's like where can i get seven seats together the arizona section not a coincidence a lot of other hoosiers found those seats and so they had one big raucous block which it turns out that's all they needed and they held their own but everywhere else it was a sea of hoosiers and look it's the first time i've ever sat in an indiana basketball game with my children next to me on either side, they flanked me. Um, My son learned the hard way. Daddy is a dangerous man to be around during basketball games. And, and especially
1: let's clarify that you didn't abuse either one of your children. You were not dangerous in that way.
0: Not on purpose. <laughs> I, I was lifting my son up because, you know, the crowd's always standing yeah. up where people are, and he's, you know, he's four feet tall, maybe. And so I'm like grabbing him sort of by the rib cage and lifting him up so he can see over the guy in front of him. And at one point, like his rib cage hit like the arm rest and I'm like looking over at him and we're actually making a run on I'm so happy. And he's like starting to cry I'm like, buddy, what's wrong? I, I'd injured him. I had injured oh, him boy. in gameplay but that's all right. He bounced back. It is so look, there's solace in that when you're with your children and it's this thing. And then, and I told them afterwards, I was like, look, guys, part of being Indiana fans is going to games and they lose. And it's
1: unfortunately for the last 20 years, by the way, while you were having your son, I had Holly who was a trooper this weekend, but the sickness that she had when we came just seemed to like, not keep not get better at all and during the game she entered some sort of fever dream I mean she was she was next to me the game starts I am so into the game and so and I look over and she is watching a video of a puppy riding a rooster on her phone
0: and did you and, say, what the fuck are you doing? Yeah, she's trying to show it to me.
1: She's like, look at this, look at this. And then I'm like, Holly, I, you can't do this. I'm watching the game. Then Bellow, Bello, however you pronounce his name, gets to the free throw line. And she goes, she, she looks at me and she goes, I really like his face. I'm like, okay, I just started ignoring her. He comes to the free throw line again. She goes, he has beautiful skin. I'm like, what are you doing? What are you doing? I cannot have this right now. Like, all we need to do is hate them and love us. It's just that simple.
0: Yeah, It's just
1: that simple. There are random times. I look over, she's clapping while they're doing something good. I (laughs) I half expected her to start doing the U of A chant that really annoyed
0: me throughout the game. It was annoying. Uh, You look, uh, and even there with the kids, like, I'm trying to have them grow up in the same environment i did loving indiana but you know when they my son my daughter hadn't arrived yet walked into the whiskey down illegally i might add and found himself in a room full of people wearing indiana university gear it was the first time in his life and, and i mean to-
1: that's a, that's your fault
0: well, I mean, sure. Yeah. I mean, I moved to California and I mean
1: he's gotta be back in Bloomington. The fact that, that Vegas was his first Indiana game is weird.
0: Well, I mean, how many times was your youngest in Bloomington at a game prior to eight years old? Julian Once... was at a
1: game at three.
0: No, I said your youngest. Yeah, I mean she was six. Yeah, okay. So we're we're gonna try to get there, but I also I, I have to go back to visit family. During the in summer. Indiana. Yeah, yeah, during the summer, because guess what? My kids would rather go back and watch the circus in the uh, summertime. In right Indiana
1: basketball. Again, your fault. W-
0: what can I do? Like, I mean, any uh, I don't
1: know. We, some, some real conversion therapy.
0: That's what I'm saying. That blows up in your face. then they end up liking Purdue or Kentucky like you (laughs) you gotta lead them to the water but then they have to drink and look
1: it's our fault we moved out to LA that's the truth
0: I've never seen my son as excited about an Indiana basketball game than when he was at an Indiana basketball game and that was the big victory I took away he knows it's not just his weird dad who makes him wear Indiana shirts to school where all his friends wearing Dodgers and Lakers and UCLA shirts thinks he's a freak I'm like see here are our people son they're everywhere and especially when it's in vegas you're like yeah we're a bunch of weirdos (laughs) so true so no
1: no more proof needed of that than after the game ended so the game ends and begins this i mean it was like the stories i read as a kid in hebrew school of the jews being led out of bondage from egypt and marching in one long group of people through the desert that's what it felt like for me after the game i was in a sea of people marching through these hallways of the casino at a snail's pace just to get back to the casino were you not caught in those throngs of people
0: no and i'll tell you why we went right into the gelato station right as you're coming out of the arena there were and it was it was amazing you like there was Ten people in there, and so you saw the sea of humanity go by. Now, where I will say, as you your people were freed out of bondage, that was a good vibe. They were probably like, "Yeah, we're out of here. We're gonna find, we're gonna find a place of our own." The Hoosiers, I got to say, the Arizona fans. I think if the roles were reversed, then we'd been such a minority and had won. I'm sure we would have been more obnoxious. They weren't bad overall. I thought it was pretty civil, con- considering how heated oh, things I were agree. inside. I agree. Civil, um, but sad. But it was a sad environment. Yes, but but because we lingered back, um, I I did as my children were eating gelato. We were eating our feelings. Um, some some IU fam came out. Um, Jordan Hull's wife and mother. And I got to talk with them and commiserate a little bit. And then Pat Knight came through. Dean Garrett walked by. I got to catch up with Jawan Morgan. And i I, feeling that good that in such a close time proximity to a loss was completely unexpected. But the idea of misery loves company, well, when I'm at home by myself, and the kids and wife have closed their bedroom doors to not hear the noises going on next door as daddy's watching the game, particularly a loss. It's it's very lonely afterwards, but there's no better way to to drown your sorrows than with fellow Hoosiers in Las Vegas. Well,
1: and that's what we did. We were with fellow Hoosiers. I was sad. I was kind of depressed after that game. We went back to the Whiskey Down where we were joined by a couple other Hoosiers and I don't want to get into all the conversation that happened with a couple potential Hoosiers, but one did not believe that I don't drink and told me he would give me $100,000 for NIL if I would drink with him. And I said, okay, I'll do it. I've never, outside of a half a beer at your house when Indiana went to the Final Four in 2002, I have never had alcohol. I'm like, I'll do it. Pick the drink. Let's go. He reneged. He did give me 100 dollars for NIL. That I saw ridiculous. that
0: he just gave you a hundred dollar bill and you put it in your pocket.
1: Yeah, it, it went right into nil today as I of deposited course. it in the bank. But that I got sad about that. I did have an interesting um, encounter as we we're walking back to the um, whiskey down. We ran into CJ Gunn's dad, who is just awesome to talk to, and CJ Gunn's mom. Awesome family.
0: We 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 stood in line behind Chris Gunn, CJ's dad, uh, my daughter, and I getting some pregame Johnny Rockets before going into the arena. And I just loved being able to do him to my daughter because, you know, we've got to talk to his son and, and for my family, my, my biological family to get integrated with the IU family for the first time in person, it was great. Cause it's like, look at these great people, look at the great people around this program. It was a real, a real pleasure for all of us. Seconds
1: after that, I am I see another guy walking and he's got his arm out and he's wearing like a black hoodie, not Indiana gear, but he's looking at me and he comes up to me and big bro hug. And I'm like, all right, big bro hug. I shouldn't, who is this guy? Where did I know him for? He's like, Hey man, Hey man, you want some cocaine? (laughs) I'm like, no. Okay. So you're not an Indiana fan. No, I'm good on the cocaine offer. No, thank you.
0: That goes away. Well, yeah, but th- we're in the bathroom, right? And I'd already had the night before somebody offered me cocaine. And then we're in the bathroom. And apparently this gentleman who bro hugged you and offered you cocaine said was in there. And you're like, hey, there's the cocaine guy. And I thought you meant this other guy who was in the bathroom at the same time who just looked at me. And he just gave me the the cocaine nose rub. Like, you know, it, we were too far away for him to actually say it and not risk endangerment. So he just gave the nose rub. So, I mean, look, if we were cokeheads, it would have been a great weekend.
1: I walk into that bathroom to try, like, I'm with the guy who is challenging me to drink with him for $100,000, who had had many drinks that night. He's in the bathroom. I turn away from the stall to be done. And there's Cocaine Man, again, standing there like a premonition. I... And he's like, you sure you don't want that cocaine? I'm like, yes, I'm sure. The, the 10 minutes in between have not changed me from never doing cocaine in my life to now wanting to do it with you in a men's bathroom in Vegas. But I did tell him, but the guy peeing next to me might want something. <laughs> and I watched him as I went to wash my hands. I watched him. He went into the urinal directly next to him to ostensibly offer him cocaine.
0: Always be closing, man
1: not so we hung out in whiskey down your fraternity brother showed back
0: up i'll be honest i was really tired i was really depressed well and i we were with a few gentlemen who had had a lot to drink and you know how those conversations go and look look if i you had won there would have been it it would have taken what happened on Friday night to another level. We, you know, I would have, I would have gotten into my bag of goodies upstairs in a significant sure. way. It would have been mayhem. Instead, it ended up being like just this sort of decompression. But at this point it, we're pretty tired. Our voices are hurting and, and people who are drinking don't realize how many times they've been repeating themselves. And so at one point, and I saw my fraternity brothers had, had gathered over by the bar. I was like, I'm out of here. <laughs> I was like, yeah, I can't. So you took off. I can't be in this cycl- cyclical conversation anymore.
1: But I want to say this. You said just a few seconds ago, you know how those conversations go. Ward, I do not ever expect those conversations to go with me staring at a picture of a samurai sword through a dude's neck and abdomen <laughs> from, the e- from the drunk ER doc who is showing it to me it was no i do not know how those conversations go
0: it was a katana sword and i'm glad i was there for that because when you looked at at first when you're like show him the picture show him the picture and i'm like what and it's just this bloody katana sword over a couple of buckets i'm like well i was kind of hoping for something more graphic and then you see the actual man laying on the gurney with a sword through his upper torso
1: and by the way (laughs) he lived he, he lived. This ER doc is a wizard. He saved this dude. He had a katana sword through his neck and then through his abdomen and he saved his life. So God bless. That's a Hoosier doctor right there. That's a Hoosier doctor.
0: That's right. And and we know now um, the lungs need to expand. So when you're in a situation like that cut holes on either side below the rib cage reach in and manually expand the lungs with your fingers until you can get some tubes in there yeah just the more you know
1: (laughs) (laughs) so my weekend it ended pretty sadly i go back to the hotel i hadn't eaten anything since breakfast i was starving i called holly i'm like hey let's just do room service what can we order they said it'll take 90 minutes to get room service i'm like I went to the basically the Cheesecake Factory that was in the, the, the lobby of my hotel, which is – it's called Grand Lux, but that's just Cheesecake Factory. It's the same yeah, yeah. company. They call it. And I got an Impossible Burger with sweet potato fries and a strawberry lemonade, and I just sat at the bar waiting for my food to come. He gave me a lemonade while I waited, and then I went upstairs, and I ate my feelings, went to sleep, woke up Sunday, went to breakfast – and then headed out of town, saw a couple more Indiana fans on the way out. It was just kind of a depressing end because of the game, but I did the love of Indiana fans and the community of Indiana fans is what I took from this weekend Uh, more than anything. It was so palpable and so real and tangible that all the depression I had from the game got washed away because of that love and i i was blown away by it
0: it is it is sometimes i don't like to admit it because i love the basketball so much but it is even bigger than basketball we might not have the number one basketball team in the country but i left vegas with zero doubt that we have the number one fan base not just that thousands and thousands of people f- flew from all over the country to be there together and to root our boys on but just how kind and friendly they were and and to have the great fortune of mixing it up with the cowboys who along while we were consoling each other the cowboys stepping to the bar would be like how'd you guys do and we're like uh it didn't work out today and they're like oh we were rooting for you guys we saw you all in here earlier and And, and so there was solace in that, but to your point on Sunday, you know, the morning after, and it's raining in Vegas and it's cold and you still see little specks of Indiana gear here and there. uh, And you're like, Hey, we'll get them next time. It's hard to feel too sorry for yourself when, when everybody came out of that weekend, if not happy, at least healthy. And, you know, look, let's, let's hope this was one of those games. Like, when we got smoked by UCLA early in a tournament game in the early nineties, like, you know, I, I don't know if we have that kind of team that could do something like that late in the year, but maybe we learned something and, and we end up beating Arizona to, to advance in the sweet 16.
1: Two footnotes at breakfast on Sunday. There was a cowboy in the buffet line with me. I'm like, this is my chance. Yeah. I did went you? up to him. Did you? I I altered what I was gonna say, and I just go, "Hey man, you gotta hate Yellowstone, am I right?" <laughs> and he said, "You're damn right."
2: <laughs>
1: and then told me about how he rides horses, and he just hates how they handle horses on that show. But I got, I felt like we bonded. He asked me about our team. He's like, "Yeah, y'all didn't do so good last night." I'm like, "No." He goes, "That's alright, my team, Creighton, man. We getting our ass kicked too." And I'm like, all right, very good. He's from Nebraska. Um, I, oh, he was great.
0: Yeah, there was a cowboy who who was excited to be there for the rodeo, but he got really excited that he saw Coach Woodson too. And then I was like, That's yeah, awesome. there's a little crossover there, a little crossover there is. for sure.
1: Uh, and then the final footnote, you said that everybody was happy and healthy. Well, I said healthy. I, you said healthy, which is not true. Because as the weekend ended right. last night, Holly called me and said, I have COVID. <laughs> so what I love about this more than anything, probably I'm going to get it, first of all, because I was with her all weekend. But Holly is so safe about this. She's, she's never gotten COVID. She's done all the vaccines, all the boosters. She's always been so reluctant to be in public and doesn't want to risk anything. Holly was on two airplanes, a basketball game, an Adele concert, two restaurants, and a casino. Holly was the super spreader.
0: The Holly variant has now begun
1: spreading it all over Las Vegas and probably to me. So that was only made funnier by about an hour. Oh no, not an hour later. No, no, sorry. About 10 hours later, I'm waking up this morning and my ex-wife Mandy calls. and says
0: I have COVID.
1: So my girlfriend and ex-wife both have COVID
0: God bless America. <laughs> I, You know, I had regretted not getting to spend any real time with Holly in Vegas. I'm now glad it was a quick hug and and that we'll with catch up with her. She had a mask on. She did have a mask on, and, and it felt terrible for her. Um, but at the same time, um, it, it was probably fortunate that we didn't actually get to to hang out and have a long conversation. Yeah. So follow us on Twitter. An
1: amazing weekend. We documented a lot of it on Twitter. You can look at great videos uh, and, and just kind of relive the hijinks. At Hoosier Hysterics for the hysterics. No E, no I.
0: But uh, sometimes, sometimes why? From the halls of assembly, you'll hear us scream and shout. I love of Indiana is manic and devout. Everything I do, we discuss in unity. Manner. We won't be satisfied until we hang another banner. Us two goofy guys go by names of Ward and Eric, and as you probably know by now, we're well, Hoosier Hysterics, Hoosier Hysterics, Hoosier Hysterics. Who's your hysterics?